Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Kieran Fletcher, and this week we are getting stuck into 2012's Silver Linings Playbook. Sometimes in life... Tiffany, this is Pat. You look nice. Thank you. I'm not flirting with you. I didn't think you were. It just takes one person to turn your world around. She is my friend with an F. A capital F. Critics are calling Silver Linings Playbook wonderful. You're taking your medication? We're happy. Taking a little bit too many? Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper will take your breath away. It's one of the most entertaining films of the year. So how's your dancing thing? Good, how's your restraining order? I wouldn't actually call the restraining order my thing. Silver Linings Playbook, November 21st. Getting stuck in. Oh, that's what we do. Yeah. How are we doing today? I'm ill, as you know. But we're in person, so how do you feel about that? Usually you don't like it when we're not in person, but now we're in person and I've got a chest infection. Exactly, so uh, double-edged sword. So, yeah, exactly. I'm alright though, I'm on antibiotics, and I'm getting better. <laughs> if that sniffing continues... Uh... <laughs> the sniffing's hay fever, it's not the chest infection. I've got hay fever as well. Yeah, but you're not also suffering from... A chest infection, no, I've which got, is bacterial. I've got the breath control of an opera singer, right? So I managed to manage. Anyway, after a stint in a mental institution, former teacher Pat Solitano moves back in with his parents and tries to reconcile with his ex-wife. Things get more challenging when Pat meets Tiffany, a mysterious girl with problems of her own. Tiff, does that tell you? If you saw that synopsis, would you expect the film that you see? Yeah. Because the marketing is interesting for it, because I don't know... There isn't really one vibe you could attach to this film. And I would say the closest comparison I can think of to that is 50-50, where yeah. it's a film that is literally about someone going through cancer, and you're also marketing it as like a drama comedy. And I've not so, seen that film for a long time now. But you... The, I do remember it. I remember going into the co-op before I watched that film. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I saw my uncle and he said, or oh, you asked, go into the cinema. Don't make a noise down the mic with that. I'm trying not to. Sorry, I'm fanning myself if you and, can hear any uh, fanning. Like Dakota. And he said, what are you watching? And I said, 50-50. He said, what's that about? And I was like, oh, it's about a guy with cancer. And he just deadpan. Sounds like a really funny, pleasant film. Mm. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't really know what to say to that. And Silver Linings Playbook... Did you ever used to watch Fifty Fifty? What game show? Yeah, no, they're only not really a game show guy, <laughs> unless they're weird like Japanese ones. It was on CBBC. You don't remember Fifty Fifty? Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Even the poster, it's like silver linings in big letters, and then playbook underneath. Because I don't know if you see Silver Linings Playbook, you have no idea what it's about. You see Silver Linings Playbook, yeah. and it's about a bad situation, and you're trying to find the good. But ultimately, you're just marketing it because. Look at Bradley Cooper, look at Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. and please see this film on the basis of these two people. You think it's a rom-com, don't you? Which, Which it's, being, it's not. If you have to portion it into a box, it's probably split. The Venn diagram is like rom-com. It's probably between rom-com and drama, really. It's more like The Notebook than it is like, um, I don't know, what's a rom-com? 
Some of Jennifer It is billed as a romantic comedy, um, is it? largely. Um, IMDb, you get a romantic comedy. It's more like The Notebook when it is like The Breakup. Have you watched The Breakup with Aniston and um, what's your boy called? Vince Vaughn. Vince, so... I know you're not a fan, are you? No, so Vince Vaughn is someone that's very dear to this podcast and the initial plan back... Uh, before you came along, actually, when we were going to do... <laughs> what, you could have replaced me with Vince Vaughn? So we were going to do another bracket, and right. uh, rom-coms was going to be next. Yeah. And the idea of myself and Keenan breaking down rom-coms each week and, like, believability and all of these things, it, it would have been a, a fun one to do. And instead, we basically transitioned to this, where we can still do rom-coms, but we're very specifically choosing the ones we want to do. I'm, when and when the, I think of a rom-com, nothing jumps into my head, though. Does that mean I'm broken? Because I like rom-coms, but... Uh, for some reason, Superbad's jumping into my head. That's not a rom-com. No. Easy A's not a rom-com. I'm just thinking of Emma Stone. It's because you put Emma Stone in my head before... We were talking about Emma Stone before we started this pod, that's why. Bradley Cooper, wedding crashes. Yeah, go. okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep. What do you think the critics thought of this? Loved it. Yeah, yeah. I think they loved it. Yeah, th- th- this one cleaned up yeah. the Oscars. Because um, I messaged you earlier, it's very strange. Jennifer Lawrence... I mean, she doesn't look old now, but she looks a lot younger at the Oscars. People are still very taken aback by, oh my God, this person speaks her mind and she's become kind of a phenomenon because of that. I think she looks younger now than she has for a while, though. I don't know whether it's the fact that she's, had a, ba- she's had a baby and her hormones it's have changed. Part, it's probably part of but the, like, the roles you're choosing. She looks, she looks young in interviews now. She looks like mid-20s, not 30, whatever she is. So this film was nominated for eight Oscars. Won five of them. Did it? Five? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure it should have won five. Four. It mm. won in... No. Yeah, it won... I know she won the Oscar for Best Supporting, was it? Or Best Best act- Actress. Yeah. Am I reading this right? Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, Best Writing. Oh, he got Best Actor as well. Must have been... These must be nominees. So she mm. definitely won the Oscar for it. Yeah, she did, And yeah. it won an Oscar for the writing as well. Okay, so it got two nominated for... Yeah, 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 yeah. Nominated yeah. for uh, That sounds eight. about right. So, yeah. but it was the... It's a good film, but to win four Oscars, it's not four Oscars worthy. So there's like... I think it's less than five films have been nominated for what they call the big four as uh, the ones I've just gone through, basically. Yeah. All the acting categories, the writing and the directing. That's Lord of the Rings, right? And then David O. Russell does it again with uh, American Hustle a year later. Mm. I don't think American Hustle is as good as this. I don't even. I think we, it's We've fun. done American Hustle on this podcast. It's a fun film, but I think the acting is much more like, I don't know, genuine in this. Just well, I mean, seems it's, like, it's, it's just a, seems like a bit of fun though, American it's Hustle, even a different type. It? The acting's still very good. I think yeah. American Hustle is largely the role that Jennifer Lawrence... She kind of went away from being typecast as this fantasy action star, I guess. Yeah. And she's essentially been typecast as her character from American Hustle. Yeah. Which. Well, now, I mean, best. nowadays she's gone back to, she's just doing what she wants now. I mean, we, we'll we, speak what, about her. We'll speak about her in a yeah. little bit. I, I'm all for it. I'm all for the Renaissance. Bring her back. We've missed her. So the critics reviews. Silver Linings Playbook walks a tricky thematic tightrope, but David O. Russell's sensitive direction and some sharp work from a talented cast gives it true balance. Hmm. Robert De Niro finally, once again, finds a film worthy of his talent. Yeah, he is good in this, yeah. So he gets the Oscar nom for this. Oh. As a supporting. In Silver Linings Playbook, David O. Russell sets his dysfunctional love story against a working-class neighbourhood in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, (laughs) and he totally nails it. 
Mm-hmm. Although Silver Linings Playbook is high concept fare, it doesn't feel formulaic. The story unfolds with such loopy, oddball energy that you almost forget it's a romantic comedy. Yeah, I agree with that because it's it's like we were saying, it doesn't feel like a rom-com. I guess it is. Because it's funny, it's really funny, but it doesn't have that that kind of whimsical, um, almost light energy that rom-coms have. Critics Choice Awards, um, they both win Best Actor and Best Actress for Mm. In a Comedy. Who do you think's better out of the two of them in this? We'll get to that. We got we got that at the end. Just, okay. We do the categories at the end. <laughs> Star of the film. Okay. All right. All right. All right. A perfect storm of great writing and expert performances working in tandem. A rare romantic comedy with both a heart and a brain that rings painfully and beautifully true. Yep. I guess the first thing to address with this is the tightrope that is often referred to in almost all of these reviews is they're dealing with mental illness and how you present that in a comedy is a very interesting thing to tackle. Mm. So I think even a good place to start is that mental illness was addressed a lot differently 10 years ago to what it is now. It's far more in the forefront of our consciousness than it was in 2012, just in the way it's spoken about in general. Mental health is a lot less taboo. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even in just like one phrase, I think you you hear people called crazy a lot more then than you would now. I think that's far more of a, a, yeah. a phrase that you would hear. And I read a comment of the time when I was looking back and they, they describe things as the world we live in today for people, sorry, the world we live in today for people with mental disabilities is like the world for people in wheelchairs before ramped curbs was what they said. And that's mm. what this film is kind of seeking to, present David O. Russell's son is bipolar obsessive compulsive yeah because he he's bipolar isn't he and she's depressed they don't actually give you a a clinical clinical kind of diagnosis as to to what she has I think Um, she's I think she's depressed and she's coping with it by using sex but he's bipolar obsessive isn't he there's there's a weird thing where people kind of analyse films after the fact like uh, people get hired on those like weird kind of like GQ and places like that and they're like you know we've got a psychiatrist and they've diagnosed uh, Tiffany yeah. from Silver Linus Playbook and it's like why? <laughs> why? Yeah. why have you done that? I think the idea with her is that she was relatively um, of sound frame of mind whilst she was with her husband and then when he dies yeah. she becomes unhinged due to that and I think the depression leads into this kind of self-loathing um, yeah well, sort I, th- of- I think the fact that his son does deal with that. A lot of Pat's behaviour is informed by personal experience. Mm. David O. Russell writes the screenplay for this um, from the book. And from what I've read this week, people that do live their lives with these type of conditions, I don't know what the right word is, they say it's an authentic depiction. It's not being exploitative. It's not being ramped up. It's not being played down. They say this is a very accurate way to describe all of these things. And his son is actually the guy that tries to interview Pat outside the house that they chase away, uh, that De Niro chases. That's his son. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And did you watch, I sent you the authentic, uh, the alternate ending. Did you watch it? I haven't, no. His son's back. It's maybe a better ending. Really? It's kind of... Does it affect I mean, their story? No. So, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the ending, but the ending is kind of presented and one of the issues people take, which we'll definitely discuss later, is that very quickly it's like, 
happily ever after. Yeah. And there's still a kind of like bedding in process in the ending and how like the dad is dealing with the two of them. Yeah. Um, some of the things they have that understanding each other's humor and all of these things. And it's like a four minute alternate where things are chopped in. So like when she sits on his lap at the end, that's yeah. in, but the kid in the wider shot is actually sat on the sofa in a uh-huh. Ravens Jersey. And then the dad is saying, you're messing up my juju. And he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's kind of the, the kind of ending that you would have to typically expect from it. Um, just going to inform the listeners that I'm taking my top off. It's, it's very warm in here. It's a leather chair. So, uh, do you do what you want to do? Oh my word! Um, Can't express how warm it is in this room via well, a microphone. As I've said, um, as I said to you on the way down, and I was TK Harper, whoever else would uh, back up. <laughs> it does get toasty in here. In the it's thick of very, things. very warm in this room. The fan, the fan's too loud to have on. Yep, you're drinking wine, which isn't going to help. <laughs> wine always helps. And it's what it's, it's 26 degrees outside. No, we don't have air conditioning. What, what, what do you want from me? I'm not blaming it on you. I'm blaming it on British summer um, and my chest infection. So I'm already running at about 37.5. I think they make us laugh very early on to kind of ease us in, make us feel comfortable before they then expand on their trials and tribulations throughout life kind of later in the film. Yeah. Pat immediately asking... So how did Tommy die? Like Ron is covering his face mm. in the background. Make us laugh with these kind of things and then talk about the medication. And yeah. we feel like we're laughing with the characters then. I feel like the times when, if they didn't set it up, we would feel like we're laughing at Pat. Yeah. Like I I don't, and maybe your watching experience was different. When he is up in the early hours looking for his wedding video. Yeah. I'm not laughing at that situation when, if presented differently, that would be a very funny situation. Mm. We don't laugh at the fact that he's losing his mind in the middle of the night because of the ending of a book, but we laugh at the jokes he's saying, saying, I'm not going to apologise, I'll apologise to you on behalf of Ernest Hemingway. And he does these kind of things. And they, they, they toe the line very, very well with dealing with a subject that, as I say, could have been called exploitative, could have looked like, Oscar bait could have looked yeah. like all of these things. And it's incredibly impressive the way they do write this. I, I've not read the original text that the screenplay comes from. Yeah. I gather it's a bit more in depth. Um, it's not quite as quick with the way they come together, but in terms of a sub two hour film, the way they handle it, I think it is. I like the way really they're first good. introduced when they're just staring at each other. There's that moment when they're introduced and there's like literally no talking. They're just looking at each other. It's like two like predators just yeah. squaring up to each other. It's very, very well done. I think something they do really well is throughout the film and through the choice of shot and uh, just everyone knows what everyone has going on throughout this film, which makes things a lot easier in terms of following a narrative yeah. and then certain shots like so when she enters like you've just said there we get a shot from over her shoulder and she walks straight at Pat as you've just said Yeah, and uh, I forget the guy's name the guy that's hosting them for dinner mm. he takes a step back like mm. like you would like um, like when an animal approaches the glass in a zoo yeah. like you know they can't get you yeah. but you're still going to take a step back it's intimidating he, st- he stands firmly there, the mm. eye contact is there, and then you follow his eyesight when 
he's looking down and I think they would usually try and make a joke so he looks at her cleavage but then yeah. he shifts and he looks at her fingernails he looks at her watch I think and it's supposed to be that but she's just admiring him watching she knows that he's looking she's at her cleavage what he's doing. and yeah. looking at his and then later on like five minutes later they're all banting over like the medication that they're taking and stuff that's quite yeah. a cool scene as well well they they blend it very quickly the the speed at which they do go from him joking about the book to the carnage that kind of ensues it's interesting and the dinner party that we see at the start i often think that having a character like with a compulsion to speak their mind mm. i think that's usually comes across as quite a cheap way of kind of shortcutting your narrative. Mm. Like if this guy just comes and says it out loud, you don't need to follow anything as an audience. But I don't know how you think it it, it plays out in this. It doesn't feel cheap to me. It doesn't feel like, I feel like there's still layers to yeah. Pat's personality. It's not like a robot. It's not Terminator 2 where no. Arnie is just telling you everything out loud. It's No, it's in line with his character. It's not like, what the narrative needs to drive it forwards. It's actually in line with how his character would be and would act. It's not a kind of plot device to yeah to drive the story forwards in that sense. And it works later on because they kind of double cross you as an audience where they weaponize what we know early on with him just speaking his mind. Yeah. And that's why the ending works as it does because we don't see it coming in the way of yeah. what he's saying. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a really good portrayal of real people, real emotion and in this case, fortunately, neither of us are dealing with being bipolar or anything that comes with it. No. But the fact that they are able to present an authentic portrayal that is palatable to us is something that's very, very impressive. And maybe something I didn't quite consider on the first watch. And on the second watch, I picked up the subtleties a lot more. Well, but how many times have you watched it, do you think? Well, we've been delayed a week due to your illness. And so <laughs> I think I've watched it I watched it once to prepare for the podcast and then I've watched another full sitting of it once and then I've dipped in and out of it a couple of times. And yeah. so I've probably watched it now four or five times. Yeah, see, I've only seen this film twice, but on my second watching before the pod, so last week, um, I could still remember the scenes pretty clearly in my head. Like, it's, um, it's a very memorable film in terms of how it runs, like, structure-wise and stuff. You kind of know what's what's coming up it doesn't jump around a lot I guess it's because it only really follows those two doesn't it well it only really follows him we've got like really 10 and characters max it. I would say yeah, probably less than it that follows, like, it, it never goes from her point of view does it it follows no. apart from the ending I guess so we've got Pat Tiffany two parents yeah. and then a, a number of side characters that kind of swoop in and out the you've sister, got a police officer the, friend. the sister the friend and uh, the guy at the start yeah the what's that guy called? The black guy, Danny. At the start of the film, where he's talking about his haircut and he's saying how he pushed it back, that yeah. when I on my rewatch, <laughs> it just reminded me of you immediately. Why? Just because you're that particular about your fade. I don't know. I thought you were saying I'm losing my hair. I had a, oh, I had no, a, no, I had no, a bad no. dream recently that I'd been like bold on top for like years and just nobody had told me. <laughs> well, you're quite tall, so it would be quite hard for people what? to notice. How, are you six two? No, like six one. Oh, okay, must but be like, nice. <laughs> but like I have a thing where um, I used to be a lot heavier than I am now but if I looked mm. in a mirror I was like the opposite so you see people that are skinny and they see it the other way around I would look at myself you know what you don't look like 20 stone <laughs> and so I'm wondering like the whole time 
if I had just been really thin on top, no. I'm just not known. No, your hair's fine. And you're also a very slim bean now. Oh, we'll get in there. David O. Russell, if we avoid his controversies as there's literally chapters on his Wikipedia. Is there? You, yeah. About do, do, what? We might touch on it, but do you like touch, any of his other films? Touch you, on you what? mentioned American Hustle. Yeah. I don't know, have you seen The Fighter? Yeah, yeah. Do you good like film. The Yeah, Mark, good film. Mark Wahlberg. It's it's funny because Well Christian Brad- Bell. Yeah, Bradley Cooper spoke about this and I have consumed so much of his interviews in, in the past week. Mm. The reason that he wanted to work with David O. Russell mainly, as he said, he was going through, I think he'd done six films at this point. Mm. And he said, I've not seen one bad performance in any of his films. And on top of that, for a lot of actors, it's their best performances. And Yeah, I was going to say, do you think this is Cooper's best performance? That was one of my questions for you, actually. I think it is. I'm not sure, but we're going to speak about his kind of career in a second. Yeah, because I think this is his best performance. He's moved a- across genres. He actually, for the weight of David O. Russell, yeah. he's doing Place Beyond the Pines at the time. Mm. He's got a number of weeks left. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, and he gets a phone call from yeah. David O. Russell basically to say... I need you. Can you mm. do this? They've not worked together before. He says, I can really see you in this. But the way it's going to work out is the, they can only move the shooting schedule so much. And in doing this podcast, I've learned that I used to think, well, just delay the schedule mm. and get the actor you want. If it, it yeah. feels that simple. And obviously it's not that simple because no. you're planning with cities and yeah, all yeah. sorts with these blockbusters. And yeah, yeah so he's basically, he has to finish Place Beyond the Pines fly out the next day to Philadelphia and start on Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. So he's preparing for Silver Linings Playbook while doing this. David O. Russell sending him all of this material to say, this is what the kind of character you're going to be playing. But ultimately, I believe you can do this. Yeah. And Cooper said, just hearing that from him is the kind of thing that he started acting for. Yeah. And he believed in him, it's very cliche, when he didn't believe he could do this role. Mm. And that was all he needed to get on board. There's that um, inside the actor's studio where Bradley Cooper's a um, acting student. I can't remember who he questioned. De Niro. Is it? No, it's not. It's De Niro. De Niro. 100% it's De Niro because I watched it today. Is it? Yeah, it's De Niro. And he says how surreal it is that um, they, they when it, it comes it, to this in, film, it's their yeah, second yeah, time yeah. working together. And then, because there's a scene of him, is it inside the actor's? Maybe I'm thinking of a different one. No, it is. The one where it shoots to and he's slapping, he's slapping his ass in um, American Hustle. Oh, I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking of something different. So that there's a guy in American Hustle, I can't remember his name, he's a comedian, and he says that there's a clip of him on a radio show where he says, anyone that's asking an actor on Inside the Actor's Studio how do you act isn't going to make it. And there's like a YouTube mashup of him saying that, and it goes to Bradley Cooper asking De Niro. And then shoots to American Hustle where he's like slapping this comedian's ass and like, yeah, because well, he plays the cop in that, doesn't he? In American Hustle. He plays the cop with the, the curly hair. Yeah, Cooper does. Bradley Cooper does. Yes. Yeah. He's on the opposite side to um, Christian Bale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's like the curly head. Right. I've, I've not seen Joy, which is with Jennifer Lawrence again. I haven't seen um, Joy. And I've not seen Amsterdam. He had a couple of more things come out about him or Russell at the time and I remember putting me off a bit and then mm. it was like every blockbuster this year has been like three and a bit hours long and yeah. it's like, why does not all films need to be this long and sometimes you see a poster and so Asteroid City is going to be a good example actually 
I'm going to see that next week. The cast. How long is, is that meant to be? Hour 45. Oh. Lovely. Yeah. And the cast of that is so deep that it's like, I don't know how much performance you can be giving me. Michael Shannon complained about uh, The Flash. He said, I did it. I appreciate the character, but this wasn't what I did with Zack Snyder. Mm. I'm there basically um, as like a moving piece. I'm, I'm not acting in this film. I'm just a commodity that is there. I'm just a face on screen. I think that Asteroid City one, I mean, you've got in the actual list of credits... I mean, Jeff Goldblum's there, but he's not in the poster. Margot Robbie's name's in there. She's not on the poster, I don't think. So that's what I mean. So it's, how much performance are you, props, are you yeah. giving me? And Amsterdam felt a lot like that. I knew De Niro had less than 15 minutes of screen time, and I, yeah. I can see his name on the poster. Yeah. So it, 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 it gets people in the seat, too. Um, so do you not know anything about his controversies? No, I don't think so. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go through them all on here, because some are worse than... There's... There's a whole thing with his niece that oh, I God. don't want to go through on here, but God. we did Whiplash recently. And so yeah. the main thing with him is kind of the idea of the film in that he pushes all of his actors to breaking point. And from his perspective, he feels that it's worth it because the product on screen, you can't, yeah. like the end product, you can't argue with. But some actors obviously aren't going to put up with that and so Mm. Jennifer Lawrence says it just bounces off it she does not care her performance is when she's getting an Oscar it's kind of like okay obviously worked so I'll keep working with you he headbutted George Clooney hello George George Clooney told him to lay off some people on set basically and Clooney squared up to him and he basically did something that works nine times out of ten when you see it. And yeah. he said to George Clooney, if you feel so strongly about it, hit me. Yeah. And Clooney said, you know what, I might just will. Yeah. I might just do it. <laughs> he hits him, he gets headbutted back. There's a whole thing at an award ceremony in the early 2000s where some people come around the corner and he's got Christopher Nolan in a headlock. <laughs> he's just like a wild... like the, he's, I need to read up on him. Problem. I've not heard any of this. Christian Bale stood up to him on the set of American Hustle because he called Amy Adams a cunt. Wow. And that was... Did Bale put all that weight on? Was that legit, that weight? Or was it a fat suit? He put some on. I I don't know. If you go back and listen to the podcast, I'm sure I had the info on it then. Yeah. Um, Amy Adams has worked with him twice. And so this is interesting. Amy Adams said she would never work with him again because she can't just let it roll off her back. And she said, look at Jennifer Lawrence, look, it works for some people. It's not for me. I'm not going to do that, but... Jennifer Lawrence is tough as shit, though. Look at what she's been through. Well, yeah, she thing, is tough as shit. The thing with her, and I never know how much you should take these things at face value, she claims that her mum wouldn't let her play with girls until she was like five, because yeah, she was just too rough, basically. She so she she's forced to play brothers, with her brothers. Yeah. yeah, I um, believe that. You could tell that she's a tomboy, definitely. Like, I think if she wasn't so gorgeous, because she is just unbelievably, like, attractive, you could tell that she just would be, like, a little bit of a bruiser. Bradley Cooper mentioned him before. David O. Russell says the reason he picked him out for this is he noticed when watching through his work, Bradley Cooper had a knack for looking really angry on screen, but looking like he was trying to suppress it. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said that one emotive yeah. kind of uh, expression that he was able to 
to show. And he does do that, I suppose. He, he, he has a good look of holding something back. He's got those really good blue eyes, isn't he? Well, I'll tell you something about him in a second, which when you think of what he is now, yeah. it, it, it feels um, mental. He's had a really fun career when you just go through his IMDb. Um, the first big commercial thing he does, he debuts on Sex and the City as like a bit part role. He does some work on Alias. And he, up until around this mark, right, 2009 actually, he keeps threatening to break through. And then it doesn't happen. He's just seen as kind of a supporting guy. Yeah. He's in wedding crashes, he's fantastic. Um, Sack Lodge. Um we have also had the pleasure of speaking with David Dobkin and he said that Bradley Cooper was the first person he'd ever cast on the spot. Oh, really? He said he just they'd spoke to so many people and he yeah. just had it. The second he saw him was like, You are just and Bradley Cooper. He's very says, good in like limitless as well. Well he's played a bad guy in um Wedding Crashes, which he said yeah. he really enjoyed. And then... Hangover Trilogy. Well, the fact that he's still making films like The Midnight Meat Train in 2008 <laughs> is insane. Yeah. Opposite Vinnie Jones. Yeah. He's talking about giving up at this stage. He's drinking a lot. He turns to coke at some stage. Mm. And he just keeps narrowly missing out on these parts. And he gets some feedback from his agent. This agent basically says to him, what? What yeah. am I not seeing? And he says... He was told a thing that you hear so many women have said before. They were told by a casting agent that he was unfuckable. Really? Which, like, when A Star is Born comes around, he's held up as, like, the heartthrob of Hollywood alongside Brad Pitt and Leo. It's It's really strange. Um, Who else had that? What's his name? Your man from The Notebook. Um, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was was cast because apparently he was just very plain-looking. They wanted someone who... He looks the type that had like a chiseled jaw when well, he came they, out of the womb. Yeah, they just wanted someone incredibly plain looking so they cast Ryan Gosling and now he's literally Ken. Do you <laughs> see? In Barbie. Dakota Fanning did one of those um, round, actors roundtables recently and she wouldn't say who it was but she spoke about a Hollywood director yeah. saying things she while she wasn't cast in a film at the age of 14 it's because she was unfuckable. At 14? Yeah. Yeah, that's disgusting. And he's like, that's what we were being spoken about. That's, like that's, that's gross. That is gross. Um, I don't... Do you know much of this background story with the Hangover film? No. So, they're trying to go with this really big cast. I'll paraphrase this massively. Paul Rudd, Jack Black, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jonah Hill, like an amalgamation of that kind of people. That's who, what? That was the plan? The plan for the hangover. It had this massive, massive <laughs> budget. Todd Phillips on to direct. Yeah, yeah. The studio can't land enough of these guys and so it would have been weird with just like one of these yeah, guys. Yeah. They go to Todd Phillips and they say, this isn't going to work basically. So they get the up and comings. So what they do, they convince Todd Phillips and they think they've got this great deal on their hands. Yeah. They say to him, that we're paying you a lot of money here. We need to, we're pulling things back. And they ask if he'll take points on the profits moving forward when the film is released. Yeah. Todd Phillips believes in what he's got. He believes in the script, everything. And he says, yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a cut of the profits. Basically, hardly pay me anything at all. I'll take the, the royalties, basically. They bring yeah. on all of the main guys and they're all paid under a million each, which for a film of that size, that's quite significant. What, Zach Galifianakis? Zach Galifianakis, yeah. Bradley Cooper, uh, Justin Barter. Yeah, yeah. They're all under all under a mil to do this film. Oh, you just said 100 mil? Under one mil each. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They go on. Obviously, the film goes nuts. Yeah. Todd Phillips making his percentage of the profits 
makes I think it's like a hundred times when what the hangover came out. It was crazy, wasn't it? It was everywhere. Well, second one is was the highest grossing comedy of all time. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But by the time the second film comes out, and obviously they want to do the sequel, Todd mm. Phillips says, "I'm taking the same deal again with the profits. Yeah. Also, all my guys." They're taking the same deal as well. Yeah, nice. They're getting profits as well. All right. But Bradley Cooper says things just change just mm. overnight and you look afterwards. Remember? Because well, even in that, he was the pretty boy in that. He was cast to be the attractive one, wasn't he? The one, he's, what's he called? Stu. Stu, isn't it? Is, yeah. Because is Galifianakis looks up to Stu, doesn't he? He's like, is that, um, was his name Stu in it? Yeah, it is Stu. And yeah, do you yeah. know who that was supposed to be of all the people I named? Go on. Paul Rudd. <laughs> no, not Paul no, Rudd was supposed not to the same. Stu. Not the same. Paul Rudd's a very attractive man, what? but he's not Bradley Cooper. No, uh, you can you can tell me if you think I'm wrong. Is Bradley Cooper not bigger than Paul Rudd now? Nah, not now. Not Bradley Cooper could lead a film, and I don't think Paul Rudd is a leading man in Hollywood outside of Marvel. I was going to say, well, I was looking at it from a Marvel point of view. They're both in Marvel, but Bradley Cooper's not in it. In it, he plays Rocket, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, I would I would say Paul Rudd has more. I would say Paul Rudd has more cast ability than Bradley Cooper but but they get cast in very different films that's the same that's the same I feel like Bradley Cooper could walk down a street easier than Paul Rudd but I feel like if you put Bradley Cooper's name at the centre of a poster and you put Paul Rudd's film at the centre of a poster the Bradley Cooper film's making more money I don't know I don't know about that because with the whole A Star Is Born thing I think it was Lady Gaga that sold it more than it's a big thing not that Bradley Cooper can do more than Paul Rudd can which is yeah a big start it depends, also, this is it isn't it it depends what you're looking at if you're going for comedy it's going to go to Paul Rudd usually but then but then Brad- when you look at comedies then Bradley Cooper's made more money in comedy than mm, true Paul Rudd is going to it's not all on box office I'm aware of that yeah uh, true I don't know I I think it's it's very there's a very fine line between them I'd say that I think part of the thing with Bradley Cooper is um, we hear just enough from him yeah that's a big thing and I, I've mentioned it um, I was in he skirts under the radar social media and etc yeah, yeah and so yeah. Um, John Berntal I always go back to and mm. I hear him say that you shouldn't see me outside of the Punisher you don't need to hear what I'm doing it, it kind of backfired because he's got his own podcast now yeah. but yeah. he said if you see me in the news every day then I can't be a, I can't be a believable teacher the next time you see me because I'm not yeah. him anymore I'm, I'm John Burntout Killian Murphy is a big advocate of that whenever you see Killian Murphy in interviews people show him the memes which he's just not seen because yeah. he just kind of stays off the internet and he just I think he's got like two kids and a wife and he just lives in Ireland with them yeah. uh, but he's also like one of the best actors of our generation I believe I mean after, after Hangover remember they tried rebooting the A-team he's alongside Liam Neeson Rampage Jackson Jessica Biel and some others and- no it doesn't even did yeah. they try and redo it? Yeah, it doesn't even come big. across. My they thoughts. tried to go big no. with it, and he's he's like <laughs> I've one of the lead guys. I've definitely Liam not Neeson seen it. Liam Neeson is the lead guy, and he's kind of alongside. Did you watch the old A Team? No, but I they're watched actually, the new one. They're so. actually quite good. The old A Team. So it was. It wasn't good. good. Um, he does Limitless, which yeah, he film. says. He says he think he he thinks he'd shown that he could do Limitless before the Hangover, but he doesn't get Limitless unless he's done the Hangover, and yep. then he doesn't get Silver on his playbook if he's not done Limitless. So yeah, it just starts snowballing from here. Hangover two and three, Place Beyond the Pines, Place Beyond mm. the Pines and Silver on his playbook being the same year is just an insane. year. I did forget he was in a Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah, we I, did I, that. I do need to rewatch that actually. It's we did film. it. It holds up so so well. The the level of talent in that is just yeah. 
incredible. I do need to rewatch that film. I've I only saw watched it once. Recently, some uh, press quotes from that film. Yeah, there's things that if you're good looking, you can get away with saying that you couldn't get away with if 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 I said that about someone at work. Like yeah, beauty Gosling, privileges. Yep. Gosling says he gets in a relationship with Eva Mendes while mm. filming and they're still together. Mm. And he says something like, you know, I was acting out with Eva and we had this kid and it got to a part of the production where I realised um, I don't just want to make believe with this anymore. Yeah. If 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 Jonah Hill said that, he's being called a creep. Or Galifianakis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100%. But Ryan Gosling, 100%. when it's shared... All the comments are like, oh, he is, he knows the right things to say. 100%. He is so beautiful. It's, it's, it's beauty privileges, <laughs> isn't it? If you're staring at someone on the tube and you're, and you look, you're six foot three and you model for Abercrombie and Fitch, nine times out of 10, the person that you're staring at is going to think, oh, they're attractive. But then if a little five foot two, 23 stone, balding, 30 year old, IT technician did it, he's a creep. Do you know what I mean? It is beauty privileges. It's the are world you, that we live in. Are you going to watch Barbie? Yeah, I'll watch Barbie. I, I said about it. Is that an invite? Well, so I'm, I'm, I want to do. Um, I want to do the Barbie Oppenheimer doubleheader on the Fridays. They come out. <laughs> what order? Barbie Probably Oppenheimer into Barbie. Oh, that for feels, real? That feels cooler. No, you've got to go Barbie into Oppenheimer, surely. Because Barbie, you just sit there. You don't take it too seriously. And then Oppenheimer is going to be. I don't want any um, kind of lethargy going into Oppenheimer. You'll get lethargy going into. Well, I'm prepared Barbie to sacrifice if- more of. Barbie, like it just feels cooler in like. No, Barbie will just be a feel good. You just sit there, don't take it through. All right, well, we'll work it out. We'll go together anyway. Um, when do they come out? July 21st. Yeah, we'll, like we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. Even after these, because he's he's kind of been in and out recently. It's cool that they did The Last Guardian centering around him. Um, Great was, film. Well, I was thinking at the Great time. Great film. Uh, Chris Pratt is financially the most viable box office star in Hollywood today. He's got $3 billion franchises. Mm, yeah. Guardians, Mario, Jurassic Park. Financially, there is no one more bankable than Chris Pratt in Hollywood today. That's a fact. Jennifer Lawrence. She she's, she hasn't made as much money at the box office as Chris I, I wikied it. She's she's made $6 billion. Well, This is... But she's not in three franchises like that. X-Men hasn't made the same money that they have. X-Men, Hunger Games... Mm, yeah. What? No, she must. Yeah. I li- I literally broke this down as a fact the other day to bring up on here, and I was questioning: Could Bradley Cooper do all of those things? Yeah. Could Bradley Cooper have been Star Lord? Yeah, I think so. But do you get the feeling he he wouldn't want to because that's the way I read his career? I think he t- he takes on what he wants to take on, doesn't and I he? Like- I like it because yeah. so many Marvel people now, when they're doing the multiverse and things, like they kind of get out. And Elizabeth Olsen spoke recently where they've just done uh, her biggest Marvel role to date. And people are saying, you know, are you going to do this? You're going to do this? And she said, I've just dedicated like 10 years of my yeah. life to that. Now, she said, people don't understand the extent to what we have to reject while under one of these Marvel contracts. Yeah. Because you're just shooting 24-7. Yeah. So she now is doing everything she wants to do. I just you know, watched that Love and Love and Death show that uh, oh, she yeah, did on HBO yeah, yeah. and she's basically saying, that, yeah. don't expect me doing Marvel anytime soon. Do you, you know who has been in a crazy kind of like franchise list up? You've got Amelia Clark, right? She's been in Game of Thrones. Yeah, you might speak a bit louder, but she's been in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Star Wars. 
and now she's in Marvel. That's huge. Yeah. I, Game I, of Thrones, Star Wars, and Marvel. That's massive. I, what I would say is she's been a very small part of two of those. Mm, yeah. Well, I, yeah, but then she's been the part in Game of Thrones. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm worried about that Secret Invasion show. It looks terrible. The reviews for it are very good. Uh, it came out yesterday, didn't it? Yeah. I've seen the first episode. The review's meant to be really good. I was going to watch it tonight. The thing that's annoyed me before I've even started watching it is um, the um, title sequences that AI generated. Oh, I haven't haven't seen anything about it. I haven't seen anything about it in terms of um, footage. Yeah. Because I'm I'm trying to avoid it. But the cast, I I just love the fact that they've got Olivia Coleman in Marvel. That's, that is amazing for me. Like, so if the, she's the Olivia Coleman that we know, not like Hollywood A-list. I mean, she's won a fucking Oscar for fuck's sake. Like, but the Olivia Coleman that we know is like bread and butter. She's you know peep show Olivia Coleman. Yeah. Now that she's in Marvel and she's won an Oscar, that's crazy. Well, I tried to avoid reviews as much as possible. Yeah. Well, I just saw something today that basically said. How do you have this level of accent in a TV show and it still feels as bland as as this? Marvel have just just given up now for the most part. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of on the down. um, That's why the um, Guardians three was such a good film. Did you? you, We didn't watch that together, did we? Did we? No, we didn't. We didn't. I, I watched it in London. Sure, I watched it with two other people. No, no, I watched it. No, you you watched it with me and Goff. Did I? Yeah, hundred percent. 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought it was really good. Yeah, well, yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, interesting, but I've not watched um, the last, like, three TV shows they've done. What's I can't the remember Moon, the last. Moon Knight. Um, Moon Knight is... Miss Marvel and... I haven't seen Miss Marvel. I've watched She-Hulk. Another one. She Hulk's a bit odd. They there is literally a scene where she's like twerking, and you're like, "What? What has Marvel become? Yeah. <laughs> They're twerking to um, what's her name? Megan uh, Salian. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, she's in it. She's yeah. twerking alongside. Well, I did her, see like. people say that is literally what the character is like in the comics. So people are complaining like, "Is this mm-hmm. what Marvel's becoming?" It's like, "No, this is actually." She, what she's yeah, and be. she breaks the fourth wall. It's quite like Deadpool, like that. Like she yeah. breaks into like Kevin Feige's studio and rewrites the ending or something. I can't Jesus. remember. Um, last bit's on uh, Bradley Cooper um, Ken Coops American Hustle Guardians as we've said War Dogs fun film we've done on this podcast A Star is Born Later and he takes these really fun small parts like he steals licorice pizza I don't think you've seen no, that no I haven't no 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 he's that's really, one with that girl from Haim isn't it yeah yeah I don't know why I haven't seen that because it's an indie film it's right on my street so yeah me, me and TK have spoken about the kind of genre before yeah which we can only describe as the kind of nothing happens genre like you're just hanging out with these people for two hours did you see the Elizabeth Olsen when she was strapped to the lie detector test because she's good friends with the Haim lot the Haim sisters and that oh, which which Haim is it it's not Alama Alana. She's the one that's in um, Licorice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. It's not Esther. It's the other one. Anyway, it's one of the Heim sisters. Um, but she's good friends with Elizabeth Olsen. And they ask her, do you think she can act? And she says, yes. And then the guy's like, that's a lie. <laughs> are they are they related to Paul Thomas Anderson? Because um, his, maybe, his, um, maybe. his IMDb, like, he's directed like every one of their music videos. Maybe yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe it just, seem, it just seems strange. They're from um, they're from California. They're they're really good. Heimer Heimer really good. Yeah, Lic- Licorice Pizza is one. Of, yeah, you're just kind of hanging out with these two people for mm. two and a bit hours. Um, but Bradley Cooper comes in and he's like a 
he's a celebrity in that world but oh, okay. he's just really fun in it and then also, he, he, he may pop- steal Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> I was going to say Dungeons and Dragons that was the loudest pop in the cinema and I went yeah. on a quiet Tuesday night yeah. and there was an audible like yeah. oh my god Bradley Cooper yeah. and that's why I love because so many things get leaked now so, we're just accustomed so to so my it. housemate was watching it um, at the house the other day on the TV and I'd already yeah. seen it in the cinema and um, he was like he doesn't really care about spoilers and that and I said oh has, that, has the scene happened yet and he went what scene I went the scene he was like oh what Bradley Cooper and I was like yeah the Bradley Cooper scene so that kind of shows you yeah. that you know, I had I hadn't even said the name to him, and so he definitely steals it in that. Yeah, I like just his character in this film. That Dungeons and Dragons film, by the way, good. Yeah, go actually yeah, like good. a yeah. good film. Like, yeah, I, 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 was I was really impressed with about it. seeing it, and then I saw like some crazy like hype for it. Like, oh, it's actually properly good. I I just went to watch it by myself, as I do. I watch films by myself all the time. Spoiler alert for a. Uh, anyone listening that's the kind of life that I live but uh, I literally just went and watched it just because I thought oh this is going to be something I can turn my brain off for for two hours it's actually it's a good film like I'm I'm looking forward they're going to definitely milk that shit yeah I've I've gone to the cinema on my own a a couple of times in the last year I went on my birthday I went out to work once okay see I've not done that you just said you'd been on your own not on my birthday Well, I had a day off work. It was a, mon- it was a Monday. Oh, okay. I was off work, so right. no one else at work. Fair enough. Well, don't make me the weird one. <laughs> you do it all the time. I do it all the time. I do it like once a week. But the thing that made me uneasy was um, the way the guy behind the till spoke to me. Actually, I might have gone on my birthday. I actually might have gone on my birthday this year, genuinely. The way the guy behind the till spoke to me was like, you're one of those guys. Yeah, well, I feel comfortable chatting to you about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, it was nothing to write home about. I watched Shazam 2. I watched Shazam. Did I not? I, f- I swear I watched Shazam 2 with you. No, you oh, no, I didn't. I went on my, I, own on my birthday because yeah. the guy behind me was like, Do you like the first one? And I was like, Yeah, yeah, I didn't know much about it. I watched the first one with you. Um, yeah. And yeah, quite, he was no, like, Do you know what? So my birthday was January the 26th. We could do a quick Google search to see what I mean, was out. It but doesn't mean, man. <laughs> I'm pretty, no, 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 I'm actually pretty sure I went to the cinema by myself on my birthday this year. I'll take back what I just said to you purely because I was living with someone that I did not want to be in the same house with on my birthday and she was making my life a nightmare. Um, don't date your housemates. And then I just left the house just to literally get out and I think I did watch a film on my birthday. The thing I was going to just chuck in, like euphoria throwback the whole way through this when he just keeps saying like, I've never been better. I've never been better. And he clearly... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Him and Cassie, that'd be a volatile relationship. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence, she auditioned for this via Skype. Is that... I have you ever, love that, Jennifer Lawrence. So have you or anyone you know had to do that? Yeah. I'm interested in the dynamics of it because it feels like you can't properly... I've auditioned over Skype before, but not not for a fucking Hollywood film. It feels yeah, for like a little indie film I did once. You've got a greater level of control, but also it feels like... I feel like um, for a lot of these things, you need to channel a lot of that nerves and maybe you'll feel a bit too comfortable at home via Skype. So... It, the whole filming at home thing is nothing new nowadays because it's actually very rare that you even get in the audition room now until you're down to the final process. Most of it is you're sending self-tapes. Self-tapes are very different to auditioning via Skype because if you're auditioning via Skype, you're taking direction there and then. And that's one of the problems because if I say to you, oh, Luke, that's good, but I want you to, I want the stakes to be higher on this line. If it then takes that, if it takes you through, takes three seconds for that delay to get through you're already like on a different line you're at a different emotion so it's quite hard to take direction but 
in terms of casting um, tapes, we were told at drama school you should only ever do five because otherwise you get so focused and fixated on, I won't name his name, but I used to live with a, a guy that's an actor. Well, again, he was trying to be an actor. And whenever I would self-tape with him, we would genuinely spend three hours doing like a two-minute self-tape. And it would just be because he'd watch back each tape and he'd be like, oh no, I don't like my arm in this. I don't like my eye in this. I don't like the way that I moved my head there. And it's like perfection doesn't exist. So they they told us basically you should only ever do five tapes, send off the best out of the five. So yeah, it's it it's a weird one, but it's also a very efficient way to get through a lot of, for the casting directors, it's an efficient way to get through a lot of, you know, um, people. In terms of multiple takes, something I thought was really interesting, and Bradley Cooper spoke about something this is for some scenes that um, a Russell likes to do, where they'll shoot the same scene multiple times in different ways. And mm-hmm. so, like you said, so up the stakes on it this time. Yeah. And then he actually won't know how it's going to be in the final take until he gets to the editing room yeah. and then he feels the vibe. And he spoke about the difference of why it can work for this and why it doesn't yeah. work for comedies. He said for comedies, you need a kind of consistent type of humour the whole way through. And he said a lot of the time, if you're shooting like that, so say it gets to, I imagine Anchorman 2 was entirely like that. And they get in the room and everyone's saying, no, that's the funniest bit. That's the funniest bit. Yeah. And then it feels jumbled when you get through. I mean, it, they say that films, and I've seen it again, I've not been in any, any films that are crazy, but I've been in like, you know, small budget films and stuff. They are made in the editing room. It's the editors that have complete control over how the film turns out because they can take a scene and you can do it two different ways and they can put that one in. Samuel L. Jackson says that he only does, in his takes, he only does like three takes, which he knows are usable. So he has some sort of creative control because he knows that that takes garbage. He knows that that takes garbage. He knows that that takes garbage. But he'll give three where he's like, they can use that, they can use that. So he's just being be an like, absolute master of your craft, basically. He'd be like the antithesis of uh, David Fincher, where yeah, he wants they 100. would bet like yeah. how well we said, but to the point where yeah, um, Danny Junior is leaving jars of yeah, piss jars around of piss. the set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, Samuel L. Jackson was like, I, I I don't think he is anymore, but he was at one point like the biggest like box office earning actor in Hollywood. He is just like a master of his craft. But you know, he didn't even get into acting until he was like mid-30s or something Who, like sorry? that. Samuel L. Jackson. He, like, he started really late, like really he's, late. He's probably someone, and you, we've all met people like this where you kind of just feel them walk into a room and mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. about channeling that energy in the mm-hmm. right thing. And I bet... I bet Samuel, I bet he didn't even try to go into acting. I bet someone just said, just just do this for me. And he's probably, probably one of those people that just, because you've got kind of yeah. two parts of Samuel L. Jackson's career. You've got Samuel L. Jackson, the actor, and then you've got Samuel L. Jackson, the entity, yep. where yep. he, he is his charisma. motherfucker in everything. Yeah, he is just charisma, doing. yeah. Um, um, Harrison Ford got put into acting. He almost got pushed into acting. He was a um, scaffolder set designer. And then they got him into... I think, I'm not sure, I think it was Indiana Jones came first, or was it Star Wars? I'm not sure. I think Star Wars is first. But, um, because the idea with Star Wars was, um, there was all these actors out there, and so I think Harrison Ford's known at that point because he basically. Like American graffiti kind of time, but I think it was George, George Lucas, but 
he he literally started as like a set designer then they were just like oh do you want to stand in and do this and then they were just like oh shit me and now he's like harrison ford me and jack and there's a small snippet of it on youtube um, yeah we we interviewed a guy that was an editor in some of the biggest films that have ever existed yeah like he he was an editor on um the first three star wars films yeah the star wars yes. films. they are the star wars yeah. films. And yeah. yeah he hated us really the vibe we got like immediately really? was he did we basically went back and forth and he said you know can if i'm going to do this for you can you plug my book mm. no problem and it was very tricky because i was trying to do the interview if you're interviewing someone about their book my assumption would be they don't want you to ruin their book because they want people to buy their book so i was kind of asking him questions yeah, to but say, they also want you to have read it well, this wasn't actually the idea, but right. the the idea, and I had, yeah, by the way. Nice. And so the idea was, I'll ask you an open-ended question. You tell me as much as you want to say. Yeah. And then, he, like, I started the interview, and he was like, "I thought you were plugging my book." I was like, "Well, I was going to put it at the end and put a link in the yeah description." And I said at the start, "The author of blah blah blah," and it was just we spoke for about forty minutes. Car crash. We spoke about Star Wars, um, Ferris Bueller, yeah, and a couple of other things. And there's like 20 minutes that are salvageable because <laughs> he's doing. Um, have you seen that picture of the dog with the pipe in its mouth and it's kind of side eye and like <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> he was looking like that like the whole time. Yeah, and um, Jack's there was a certain issue with Jack's mic where it kept going oh like god. really quiet and then like bellowing out. Oh my god! And he was looking like, is anyone else hearing this? Yeah. Hor- one of the worst interviews I've ever been a part of and I finished like it's out there even, there's like 20 minutes of it I'm gonna a, find oh, it. it's a guy called uh, Paul Hirsch yeah like, email nice enough guy and he actually emailed me after a couple of <laughs> yeah but it was just he the, the process of editing that he was talking about and the level of influence that he was able to have on some films just because he was trusted when we did media at school we had to do an opening scene of a horror film first year and a trailer the second year mm. The fact that that takes multiple terms, I mean, we're not professionals yeah. to do that, did show. I never appreciated how much can possibly go into a film yeah. before that. But let's get back to Jennifer Lawrence. Um, I was surprised to read that her role as Mystique came before her role as Katniss. That really spun me for a loop. Did it? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. X-Men comes out before Hunger Games. And I have to imagine she wasn't getting cast in X-Men X-Men First Class comes out before Hunger Games. Whatever the first X-Men film she's in comes out before the first, first Hunger Games X-Men film. First Class. And then what? Then it's Hunger Games. Weird. Yeah, they're yeah, same weird. year, but one comes out before the other. Yeah, but they, must have, mm, they yeah. must have been filming at different times. I imagine Hunger Games took longer to film than X-Men. So, she said I on... I love Jennifer Lawrence. She did the rewatchables. I, met, I mentioned that episode too. I mentioned the podcast on here before. It's like the premiere, I guess. Yeah close to what we like doing um she insisted upon staying busy with other genre work in between her franchise roles because she was she, she auditioned for twilight i'm sure you know that and doesn't get it she says it's not one of them where it was down to me and Kristen stewart like it wasn't close she auditioned she didn't get it Kristen stewart gets it yeah obviously she keeps an eye on the twilight films but you couldn't avoid them at the time no and the level of fandom and obsession that Battered Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. Hmm. 
it was like boy band levels. It he was, hated it, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I think Suppos- they both did. Well, he supposedly hated it. But that level of fame ultimately got her caught cheating on Robert Pattinson, which at that time when mm. he's deemed like the best looking guy. I think a lot of people still, would still say that he is. But for her to do that in the thick yeah, of Twilight Mania, yeah. Yeah. Um, she got obviously battered. I think her comeback was in like Adventureland, which should have a fun film. Maybe we'll do it at some stage. Yeah, it was a fun film. Um, Talking so yeah, about she- Robert Pattinson, I remember seeing on like Twitter back when I had Twitter, someone had done like a scientific breakdown of his face which showed just like how genetically perfect he was. It was just like from his lips to his eyebrows, the, the circumference, the diameter of his nose and all that, like proper scientifically broke it down. And you're like, Jesus Christ. We might need to do Good Time again at some point. So I, I love that film. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, so he's, he's one though, Robert, I don't know why we're going off on Robert Pattinson, but he is one of those actors where he is now just having the time of his life. Yeah. He's having so much fun. So she basically ins- she insists on doing these other films like this in between yeah. the X-Men and the Hunger Games because she doesn't want to get tied in as being a fantasy franchise kind of Did you person. watch um, Winterbone or Winter's Bone? No, but I know that's the, the first role that she gained prominence in. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I didn't watch it until after I'd watched Hunger Games, to be fair. I didn't know about her until Hunger Games, yes. but you could see in a Winter's Bone, you're, if I was to have watched that first... I'd have been like, yeah, she's yeah. going to go on to be incredible because so, she's she's crazy. This is the first film she does in between X-Men and Hunger Games. Mm. Um, she then does American Hustle between them also. Yeah. Unfortunately for her, a run of bad films at the wrong time kind of throws her off track. But <laughs> I mean, that's not what I thought you were going to say when you said unfortunately No, for I mean, her. She's, she's, made it, she's made it come back. I thought you were this. going to say something. Yeah, she's had a few unfortunate well, turns in her yeah, career. We we watched her film yesterday. I, I, did. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone that will watch it but what we can but we both enjoyed it no um, hard feelings yeah yeah um amazing yeah well so, i just i don't say anything about the film because i don't i won't say anything about the film but it annoys me when when people kind it's of really say, it's, it's, it's just spoiler but it's just it, a, it's just a very very funny film yeah if you want to if if you want to sit there and watch an r-rated Com- yeah well, comedy we more films like that then yeah you're gonna have a good time it's uh, it, it yeah i don't think you can floor it um, so yeah, she did Passengers, which she did alongside Chris Pratt, critical yep. flop, box office success. And that's when she, she sacked her agents because she came off these franchises and she basically had a list, whether it was a literal list or a list that she'd explained to people around her and said, basically, I've made the money. Mm. I want to work with the directors I want to work with, the actors I want to work with, the type of films I want to do. Yeah. The agents she had at the time were basically taking those kind of scripts and saying, put them to one side. And she was just getting given what she called space movies. Yeah. Because they were finan- that was the most financially viable thing for her to do coming off of the success high of High budget, stuff. high profit. Yeah, because yeah. they're making her yeah. Yeah. a leading woman outside of an already established text. She was, correct me if I'm wrong though, which there was a time period... I think it was two or three years where she was the highest paid person in Hollywood. She was up. Well, yeah. So there was the issue coming off American Hustle where the the emails. In, like, she got more, the emails leaking. No, she was paid less than her male co-stars, and that was part of the. But I thought she got more than like even the men in Hollywood, like as in to net earnings for like the I year. I think, but it would have been after 2012. Uh, is what I'm saying. Okay, so it okay. would have been around the passengers' time. Yeah, and that yeah, kind yeah. Of thing because. Because I just remember it being a huge thing where it was like she's she's the first woman that's actually like out earned 
men in well, Hollywood. Like, people didn't provide context with American Hustle. She complained with American Hustle when the emails leaked that she wasn't paid the same amount as, for example, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, but fair enough. And so, but people, you know what, the media, the media mm. said basically, I mean, you still earned like yeah, 12 million. Ex- so exactly. Why is she complaining? Yeah. Just be quiet and smile. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, and it's wrong. Passengers, yes. Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome in Space was what it was billed pretty horrible film looking back but does really well i can't really rem- remember it he, he calls he it, lets her out because he's lonely right yeah yeah okay she yeah. she calls it the biggest mistake of her career she says if i could take one film back it'd be that i don't remember it being that bad though it's one of them where i watched on film four so you know, film four just her issue these films. her issue was it wasn't the type of film she wanted to be doing and later it came out that she was being offered to work with the director she wanted to work with and the agents were just keeping her from her to make the most money through so her. So she wanted to do more independent films, but instead well, they were putting her on this. Even if she wanted to work with, say... Sci-fi bollocks. Yeah, she yeah. didn't want to do that. She didn't want to do blockbusters. She wanted... To, like, you look at what she's done since, and she's doing... She does, the film um, we watched last night is very independent. Yeah, but even so, she does, like, a, a mother film with um, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, um, and she, Javier Bardem, yeah. And she does... Um, do, have you watched that? No. Odd. I've seen Odd film. Um, what's it called recently is late, is late, the whale I've seen. Um, oh, I haven't watched Aronofsky. that yet. I haven't watched that yet. Um, um, Mother's very like um, midsummer vibes. It's it's a strange it's a strange film. She's Red Sparrow. She's yeah. finishing off Dark Phoenix, and she, so she yeah. has like four flops in a row basically. Dark um, Phoenix wasn't great. She comes back with Don't Look Up, which was, was I liked right. it. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I guess when you have it, when you're making a comeback. It made sense to me to see Jennifer Lawrence and Timothy Chalamet in the same film. That kind of makes sense to me. She even got battered out on the back of that because um, she was basically asked, you know, you were filming with Jonah Hill and Leonardo mm. DiCaprio. That must have been really fun. Mm. She basically said, not particularly. I was, <laughs> I've just, I was, had these late nights, I got a newborn child. And yeah, yeah. She spoke about one scene where she sat in a car with the two of them. Yeah. And they're just shooting the same thing with the same song playing over and over again. And she basically said, I could have been having a better time, to be honest with you. People are like, Hill, what do you mean? You're with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, you didn't have the best time of think, your life. You've got to think Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill by that point were probably boys as well. Because yeah. they'd done Wolf they are, of Wall Street. Sure. They're like, they're good Seven mates, years aren't they? deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I love Jennifer Lawrence. I'm going to put it out there, all right? I'm going to keep saying it. She's the GOAT. She is the GOAT. Well, this film, her appearance was originally more goth. Um, She was going to have jet black hair, Mm. heavy, dark makeup for all Mm. the costume tests. Yeah, I can see that. Harvey Weinstein disapproves of it, and so that was reduced. I said to you today oh, when so I watched weird. a lot of the... Oh, so um, what Harvey Weinstein says, watch, no, she won't look as pretty and then it stops. Strange, isn't it? Well, it's it's so... Seeing him around all of the awards... When she that wins, dude's in prison, isn't he? Yeah. When she wins the Critics, <laughs> when she wins the critics Choice Award, she's thanking everyone and she says, and thank you, Harvey, you little rascal. Mm. Like that. Yeah. And they're all, they're all hugging him and all of this. It's, it's very... Every, yeah, it's like... It's very so, strange to see now. It's like out there, like Gary Glitter was. Everyone kind of knew, didn't they? Um, David O. Russell advised her to gain weight for this role. Mm. And that's something that I've not read about from uh, a women's perspective. Me and Keenan spoke a lot about Christian Bale doing it for American Hustle. We we spoke to uh, Heart of Hollywood, Thurman Merman, the character from uh, Bad Santa 2. Right, yeah. He says, you know, this rumour the whole time, really bad, I've, I've forgotten his name. And he he got paid a, a shitload of money 
to put on like twenty pounds to come back for Bad Santa two, and then they paid him, um, and then they paid a PT to get him to lose all the weight afterwards. And we will yeah. say for a man putting on, it seems like the best job in the world. Like either of the takeaways, do this. It's not like you're being asked to do. Yeah, Jared Leto in um, Fight Club, Brad Pitt in Fight no, Club. Um, Leto, it was uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Well, McConaughey in Dallas Buyers yeah. Club. It's, I mean, there's a difference between putting on weight as in putting on mass exactly. and putting on, on fat, because that's easy. For a woman who you're largely judged, as we've just said, by the costume, by how yeah. attractive you are in the film, yeah. I'd not seen that spoken about from uh, someone's perspective before about being asked to put on weight for a role, particularly as you're not being asked to put on weight for like... Uh, to be a big like a mm, like, like, like a wrestler a or something. Woman or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, wonder. I wonder if she's ever done an interview where like she spoke about her attractiveness and how it holds a maybe not holds her back. That's not the right word. No, because I, I think it works in her favor. I think arguably she wouldn't be where she was if she didn't look the way she is. That is the reality. Well, of the, it. I mean, that's the same on both sides of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That even there's as Jonah Hill makes that speech where he says the same about Channing Tatum. He's like, "How did you get so far being an attractive man in Hollywood?" But like, there must be a part of her where she's like, maybe if she she if people didn't see her as this absolute like goddess, would she be able to do the roles that she really wants? to do sort of thing do you know what I mean it always feels weird discussing this type of thing one for a fact that if you were to put a mirror in front of me here and say why are you discussing Jennifer Lawrence's looks then it would be like oh yeah no I'm not but I'm saying saying Jennifer Lawrence's looks in the terms of the fact that I'm a mere mortal she's like a goddess so but my next point was about to be I think she looks just normal enough that she can do both sides of Mm. the roles like she she isn't. She looked she isn't more. Margot Robbie. And, she looked more normalish in Don't Look Up, didn't she? They go for that yeah, dodgy fringe. They they go with the gothic thing in there, yeah. and so the main talking point was the fact that she's necking Tim Chalamet. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. is the thing that comes Timothy. out of that film. Yeah. Um, just a lot of the things she does in this film are so good. I wonder what you made of the decision not to pry into her backstory too much. Like it's almost all from Pat's perspective. You mentioned it earlier. Would it have added anything to her character or does the kind nah. of mystery of her make the character? Nah, it's not her story. It's Pat's story. It would have been too much. If you've got her, if you've got her backstory, then you also need, you, you need more of their relationship, which if you were to get more of her relationship with the husband, well, slash ex-husband, however you look at it, she's still technically married. He's just not alive. If you get more of their backstory, you need more of them sitting in the living room and all this. And well, it's you, no, it's, it's not her story. It's Pat. It is Pat's story. Cause it would have been very, very easy. I think for them to present it in a way where she says, you speak the truth. I speak the truth. And then they have like three lines where she's like, this is where I was born. This is what my childhood was like. You know, like essentially they do it with Bradley Cooper. She says that though. But, she, she has that line. She says, there's always, there's always a part of me that's going to be smutty I mean, and dirty. And I, I like mean, that. they could have given her a whole backstory, but my mm, point is, I don't nah. think it adds anything nah, it to it. I'm in agreement. I'm just saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. why didn't they basically? Because it seems, I think the point obviously is, a conscious choice. I think the point is, so you meet, well, you say that, but then we also don't get his backstory with, his but we see wife. we see his, we see them but we see his family life we see yeah yeah, yeah I know but in terms of in terms of them two meeting each other so they we see him meet her and we don't see anything from his 
previous marriage and we don't see anything from her previous marriage and that feels like a good starting point to examine their journey together and you get snippets of what her marriage was like because you got the cops talking about the the guy you get snippets of what their marriage was like because you get him and to a lesser extent the mum and the dad talking about his ex-wife etc um but no it just seems like a nice you've got this kind of muddled backstory where you can create the image in your head but then you see them grow together and i think that works perfectly yeah I, i love that whenever something goes her way in this film um She's immediately both sceptical and um, inquisitive. Like mm. when she opens up, she's a really fun time, character. Really yeah, fun character. And she says, uh, "He says, do you want to have dinner at this diner?" And she kind of pauses and does this like squint at him, yeah. which is like it's very, it's like Eric Cartman like, where he's kind of like, mm. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And then it's like, yeah, it's, it's like cartoonish, but even to the point where he's wearing the football jersey and she's like, I hate that you wore the football yeah. jersey, but blah, 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 you can still fuck me as long as you turn the lights off. Like she's very um, positive to negative, positive to negative, positive to negative. She says, and I, I thought this was really interesting. She says, why, why do they try and make her put weight on, by the way? What, what was I, the reason I, I, I don't know. I, Is that to do what, with maybe like if she was taking medications, it can... I don't know. Mm. I guess there was probably an image that David Russell had in his head. I'll get to the casting. She isn't the first choice for the role. Oh, really? And so he probably had a vision in his head and maybe someone a bit trying to larger to that. Mm. Um, yeah. So I thought this was interesting. She said on why she was drawn to the character. She was just kind of this mysterious enigma to me because she didn't really fit any basic kind of character profile. Yeah. Somebody who is very forceful and bullheaded is normally very insecure, but she isn't. Mm. And, and it's great when she storms into the family home and she turns to say like I'm Tiffany by the way like owns the room immediately and when she when she's justifying why she needs to be with Pat when they're playing um, but that is a great point because that yeah. is usually they almost make a point to say you know that you know she's only like this because she's mm. so shy or she's so embarrassed and all of these things so I thought that was a very interesting point that uh, that she made there well, it's the psychological trauma that she's been through that has forced her into a position that she doesn't want to be in. I think it's like we were just saying, if if we were to meet her when her ex-husband, the cop, was alive. I mean, I, I don't think, you, you never find out anything about the ex-husband that's died, but I don't think a police what? officer would marry someone that was that kind of unhinged as she is in this. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about chemistry because for a rom-com or whatever, that's obviously, it's the most important thing. And they spoke together about how the first time they sat down together, they knew how comfortable they felt with each other, mm-hmm. but they didn't know how it would translate on screen. Like, how difficult must it be for a casting agent to find that good chemistry between great actors? Like, it's almost impossible with Tom Cruise. Like, Tom Cruise has not had chemistry with an actress outside of Top Gun for like. <laughs> 20 years Top Gun was with another bloke as well it's just so it's so strange but yeah. in here they just strike gold the fact that halfway through making this they sign on for another film together mm-hmm. immediately Jennifer Lawrence already signed on for um, Serena yeah and they yeah. basically she basically said to Bradley Cooper so you want to do an- another one yeah and the, then they roll into American Hustle like yeah there was a period where they, there act- was a period of about two years where they were in a few films together weren't there well of that there was never any like rumours of them actually being together I, either, which so I saw you kind of get now. Which I saw is, on American daytime TV um, after the films come out and one of them makes it really awkward and says, you know, the chemistry is so good. Are you sure you're not a thing? Mm-hmm. And they both just look so awkward where she's like, 
no, I mean, obviously, we've just done two films together, so that must mean that uh, we're in a relationship. And the guy says something yeah. like, you look a bit taken back by this. And she's like, well, I just want to nip it in the bud now before this is yeah. the front page news the next day. She said, I'll be honest with you. I hate him. Yeah. I hate him. Yeah, she's... Yeah, and the, the guy is really taken aback by why that isn't... why that feels a weird question, but... I just feel like it does happen now, though. You've got the... Um, that Sydney Sweeney film that's coming out. I was about to, so the- he, he seems to just, like, snap because... No. People kicked off when those two were cast together because <clears throat> he's done a previous film with Zoe Deutsch mm. and supposedly their chemistry is so good that they just want to cast them and say, make 10 films with these people together. Like we spoke about a breakfast club where you just take yeah. these couple of people and just... Yep, if it works, it works. Move them yeah. across and they don't do that. And obviously you've seen all the stuff with... Uh, I mean, he's been living his best life for the last however many months filming yeah. in Australia said the best time of his life so look the man's the man's enjoying himself you've got the discussion about what the fireplace actually is and they're kind of just alley-ooping each other with the jokes like she's saying it's a furnace at a morgue he's saying where did the bodies go and she's like it was a joke you idiot and they carry on as you say to the dinner table where they're talking about the medication and yeah. you just feel the chemistry there it's just cooking it's like it feels very improv doesn't it I think it probably was. Well, it can't have been improv because no, they're saying no, actual no, real they names. Made very clear. David yeah. O. Russell's script is David O. Russell's script. Yeah, you you yeah, do yeah, not yeah. improvise yeah. Um, on his set. But the way they build the chemistry is really good. We see him suffer. We see her suffer. We feel bad for both of them. And you're willing them on to see each other. And he pushes her away just long enough for you to get pleasantly annoyed. It reminded me of Spider-Man. When we did that uh, Spider-Man 2 the other week where... <laughs> Every time Mary Jane is like, okay, we'll be together. And he's like, not now, Mary Jane. Mary Jane. <laughs> yeah. Like the end of Spider-Man 1, where they're at the, the, the graveyard. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, fine. Like, I see what's in front of me. Yeah. I was thinking about him. And he was like, nope. She can never know. <laughs> I don't feel the same way. When she touches her lips with that spidery yeah. kiss. Yeah. So. Those webbed lips. It's just, it's just very good. What point in this film? Because as you say, this was a breakout performance for Jennifer Lawrence. At what point in this film did you look at it and say, okay, she's a star, she's very... What is there a point in the film that clicks? With her. There's a moment um, for me... Prob- probably the scene, the the jersey bit, where, where she says, I hate that you wore a jersey, but you... Well, the end? Oh, okay. No, no, so, no, 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 no yeah, okay, yeah, after yeah, the, yeah. After they've met... Okay. They've spoke about the um, medication and stuff. She's like, you're going to walk me home? Just yeah. stares at him and he's like, um, she's like, come on. And then that part where they're just outside hers and she's like, I hate that you wore a football jersey, blah, blah, because I hate football, but you can fuck me if you turn the yeah. lights on. I was just like, whoa. I thought Jesus. when they leave the diner and she says- The diner's like, a great scene. Uh, yeah, we'll so speak about good. that scene in a second. So but good. when she says like, you know, I opened up to you and you used it against me and she's got the tears in her eyes, everything. It's like, you are a genuine star. Like, Yeah, she's great. If she, you didn't- She can really, really act. Like, she's so good. If you hadn't seen her already, you would have kind of bought the stocks there and then and been like, I'm prepared to watch whatever she does. But this is what I mean. Like, this is what I was saying about just the way that she looks because you don't want to take the fact that she is an incredible actress away from her because she she's phenomenal like she is just so so good at acting I, I genuinely think she's like one of the goats I think she's great even the chemistry with the parents is yeah. matches up really well as well um, the whole um, crab 
crab treats. Crabby snacks, yeah. yeah. That's, isn't that like an in-joke or something? I no, it, is, it basically means like picky food. It's like a, it's like what we have. The kind of like food you do for like uh, football on a Sunday, basically. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, the, 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 the two lead relationships, like the two female characters are the perfect balance for their male counterparts. Like Cooper's... His character could be a bit much. Yeah. It could not work. It could not seem genuine. And before it can be too much, like Jennifer Lawrence's character is very low key when needed to offset. It's like a yeah. seesaw the whole way Dilutes through. It. Yeah. Um, she's OTT to show that he isn't. And they just do a great job of presenting both how the outside world sees these people yeah. and how these people see others that are like them. There's a line when Tiffany says something like, um, Something like, what if we aren't the crazy ones? Um, what if we're the ones that see things for how they actually are? It's something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. And it just works for a while. We'll, we'll go on to the best scenes here because there are so many of them. Um, the opening that you spoke about with Pat trying to save Danny, you know something's not right when he gets in the car. <laughs> then, He's too happy, isn't he? Yeah. He's too happy in the back. He's like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, it wasn't his fault. It wasn't yeah. his fault. Um that guy is very. Um, I got to say though, that guy is a very good scene stealer because Chris Tucker. Oh shit, me! It is Chris yeah. Tucker. Oh fucking hell! Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. But um, the part later on where that you know where they're doing the dancing, and he's going black it up, Pat. Yeah. Black it <laughs> <Yeah>. up, Pat. <laughs> it's so good. No, <laughs> he's just dancing with her. They actually use that scene um, on YouTube. That scene's titled Three Crazies Dancing." By the way, Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> You see Pat get jealous for the first time in that scene when Danny starts dancing a little too close to Tiffany and he steps in and mm. he moves his hands away. Yeah. And that's as happy as they are actually in the whole film. The three of them together there where everyone completely understands everyone I else think, in the scene. No, I think the... the I mean, what, do we do favourite scenes in the in the finale? Like, in well, the we're questions? doing it now, so... The scene where they're dancing in the end, where she's had those two shots, okay. and she's a bit yeah. You're gonna say we'll get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's that is fucking fantastic. Um, Tiffany propositions Pat. You've said about that before. Another great scene. Yeah. The end of it. Uh, I'm married. Okay, I'm married too. Well, that's different. Your husband's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he makes he makes these points, and the points that he makes are valid, but just the way that he. He, he needs to sugarcoat them a little bit more. Yeah, then she hugs him and then smacks. Well, she says, so you you say more inappropriate things than appropriate things. Yeah. At the end of the dinner party, he says, doesn't he, um, you have a, you have uh, social problems. And she's yeah. like, what? He's like, you're mean. Well, they argue, <laughs> they argue about who's the crazier, which is part of their relationship. Yeah. Um, I love the scene when he goes to the school and he hugs the, I don't know who she is. Yeah. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> when he hugs her, she's like, get away from me. <laughs> I know. I lo- then when they go jogging for the first time, like I know the music um, doesn't dictate it is, but it's shot like a proper serious chase scene, like yeah. a policeman chasing yeah, yeah, down yeah. like a perpetrator. The close-ups of their feet sprinting on the concrete, um, him thinking that he's got away from her, and she just peels around the corner shouting at him. Yeah, she yells, "I'm not the one who just got out of hospital," and he says, "I'm not the one who's a big slut," and it's like, yeah. <laughs> And then, much like the rest of the film, every time one of them hurts the other, they immediately regret it. There's never a point in the film, mm. more than five minutes, where you think one of them has upset the other that they can't get past it, because yeah. they, they quash it straight away every time. It's never malicious, is it? Um, they're never trying to like actively 
maliciously hurt each other. It's just both of them have no filter. I think that's what it is. Yeah, she, there will always be a part of me that is sloppy and dirty, but I like that. Just like all the other parts of myself, I mm. can forgive. Can you say the same for yourself? Fucker. A real point on that, and I've got a theory about this film later on. Mm. If they reboot American Pie and they tried to do this a couple of years ago, she, purely on the strength of the way she says fucker, she should be the female stifler. <laughs> it is it is nailed on. That is how he says it in American Pie. Where's Stifler from? I don't know. She's from Kentucky, isn't but she? She says it in the film we watched last night as well. It must be part of her vernacular that yeah, she kind yeah, of yeah, sits yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way she says it with such conviction is Steve Stifler. That's because she's a she is a tomboy. This is what I mean. She's a, she's a tomboy. Like she's fucking she's great. I love Jennifer Florence. Their first so date great. that's definitely not a date. Um the whole neighborhood looking out their windows, they approach each other is great. Like it's like a oh, battle Halloween. Of, yeah, Halloween, like a battle yeah. of the Titans. Yeah. Like we've got to see this. Is that not the mum and dad staring out the window? You see, so they're downstairs and they go they up live the, in the street ha- yeah, yeah, and, you, cause, and they're in a bungalow and you yeah. see um, across the street, there's an old woman that kind of draws, her, opens her curtains to have a look at what's going on. Yeah. Um, him ordering the raisin bran because he didn't want there to be any mistake in it for a date. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So here, that, she orders a tea, doesn't she? The way she says, it can still be a date if you order raisin bran. That's... Like her whole career, the way she delivers that line, mm. the the timing of it, the way she says it, the kind of snarkiness to it, that's what she does. And that's... She just makes... Yeah, she makes acting look like it's not difficult, but it really is. And <laughs> one I played back several times is Bradley Cooper, and he says, it would be so amazing <laughs> if you could get a letter to Nikki. Yeah. Have you ever been as obsessed over a girl as he has been with Nikki because no, I've I been there I think that's no, part of this no I've been there Jesus if, yeah you know I have yeah, we'll you know I have we'll no, we'll back, that, back yeah. in my 16 <laughs> 17 year old days when I was pining after a certain someone Whew, it's not fun it's not fun The their conversation about why she lost her job is is, is so good when he keeps saying mm. I'm not going to ask anything but when, yeah. <laughs> when she says everybody in, in the office and we she's, don't just, to, she's just relishing it when he says even the women she's like yep. he said we don't have to talk about it how many were there yeah. one more question was there any women how was it and he goes you, you sat on her lap mm-hmm. <laughs> so was she like the old like, teacher she was telling you what to do and she's just she, he says I hate Nikki hates it when I speak like this and it's like what <laughs> she's just ridiculous like she's just yeah she does she does do sultry and sexy very very well but at the same time in the next sentence she can have you like coughing up whatever you're drinking she's well, the it's, way it's crazy the it way crazy. it devolves and you're just begging for him to stop talking and uh, he says you know how you are and she says you know how you are sort of like me and he says sort of like you yeah. I hope to god she didn't tell yeah. Nikki that and yeah. They both do this thing throughout, and I always use the Mark Gerard Peep Show scenario where Mark can't believe that Gerard thinks they're on the same level. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it I'm is. at least two social ladders above yeah, you, yeah, Gerard. Yeah. They are trying to outdo each other. He says at the end, "You had to match my crazy," doesn't he? Yeah, her, yeah. she loses her head in the way that she does mm. now. Um, especially the laugh—that's kind of been what we think of now. Again, kind of one of if you made a Jenna Flores action figure and you pulled the string on the back, <laughs> laugh. like that kind of crazy laugh would be one of the yeah. things that would come out. Yeah. Yeah. She says, 
you might not have experienced the shit like I did, but you sure loved hearing about it, didn't you? You're afraid to be alive. You're afraid to live. You're a conformist. You're a hypocrite. You're a liar. I opened up to you and you judged me. That is yeah, the like, peak are, of the acting. Yeah, but those are all valid points as well. It's they all are, true. And, it, everything and, she says there is true. Like I she don't nails think him. You ever get long enough to side with one person in this? I no. think that's a really well done. You well, don't, you're not with either of them. At the end, at the end, when she's taking shots from that sleazy lawyer, you do. It does make your heart or your stomach drop and you're like, oh God, she's gone back but to that. But you're never rooting against them. It's like no, even no, no, when no, Bradley no, Cooper's all, no. saying the wrong thing, it's like, don't mess this up for yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I love that scene. I love that he just, when he goes over there and handles it and she she says something to him and he's like, yeah, anyway, let's dance. Yeah. And he just completely just like throws off her because by that point he knows her. Yeah. He knows his defense mechanism and it's such good writing. Her ending the scene, de-escalating things with the police and kind of calming him down in a way that even his parents couldn't. Yeah, see that people. scene's that scene's nasty when the cop turns up and she's like he's harassing me yeah. he's harassing me in that point you are like oh you bitch because yeah. that's a huge thing like the the policeman uh, making his move at, at the end of the yeah, scene she's just, like yeah, um, straight away I'm, fucking I'm, dick. I'm Tommy's uh, slutty ex-wife do you want to go out for a drink not sometime. anymore yeah. <laughs> she, he's like she, she doesn't do that anymore <laughs> so my my favourite scene in the whole film is um, Pat knocking on the parents door and the other guy turns up at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, she invites both of them, doesn't yeah, she? That's, that's the thing. She invites both of them. And he says, come on, sometimes it's okay with girls like this. They want to have fun. And it's not because they've got a broken wing and they're hurt and they're an easy target. But in this case, in this particular case, I think that wing is being fixed and you've yeah. got to make sure it gets mended and you're getting in the way of that now. Yeah. She's sensitive and she's smart. She's artistic. It's a great girl and you've got to be respectful of that. And he walks her to the car. Like... That's when she falls for him, isn't it? I think because he yeah. defends her to that guy who all of those guys have wanted the same thing for so long. Like, I mean, and this guy hasn't come at her with the intention of wanting to sleep with her because he's actively said, sleep with the ex-wife. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she knows that his intentions are the ex-wife, so she can trust him in the fact that he doesn't just want her for that. The way but, so for him to defend her, I think, is a really poignant moment. Yeah, the way his blue eyes stare down the camera. He's charming us in the scene <laughs> alongside her. You and I. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, the he's scene, an incredibly was, handsome man. Yeah, the scene. The scene with him dancing is good. Um, the scene when the bet loses. I've got a couple of issues with this scene. Mm. Um, I I don't know how O Russell wants us to feel. Are we supposed to think that the dad is an idiot? Can we just ignore the whole football scene because well, we've written that? Just yeah. put that, just chuck that out. Yeah. That is just, yeah. Or are we supposed to be seeing how similar the dad is to his son and how compulsive he is and off the handle he is? That the dad's got OCD. It. Yeah. The dad definitely has OCD. I don't think he's bipolar, but he's got... A, so he's, he's, yeah, he's OCD. Yeah, yeah, so he's OCD. in the scene when the dad is saying, you idiot, you're a loser, you're a loser, yeah. you cost me. I don't know how we're supposed to feel. Are we supposed to hate the dad in that scene? Are we supposed to be acknowledging that he has issues in no, that scene? It's the only it's scene just, that I don't know what we're supposed yeah, to feel. Yeah. I think it's just emotional kind of, it's just exhaustion, isn't it? If you, if you're, if you're looking after someone and they've been in a mental institute and they come out and they're causing you grief on something that's meant to be your like, ideology I I just think he's exhausted because he doesn't mean it because he starts crying yeah. afterwards isn't he they end up punching each other don't they yeah they punch um, each other up who who hits who first does the dad they I hit think, each other in that scene I think the dad they hit hits each other him. at the start I think the dad hits him doesn't he I think they, I think no he pushes him in this scene but he doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
a couple of questions. Um, one is very good when she starts quoting um, the record and like he was with me on this day and they won this and they yeah. won that on that day. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to know that any part of this was set up by his mum. I feel that takes away a lot yeah, from, I agree. The, from the story. I didn't notice that until the and second watching. And it's not even clear about at what point they were set up made basically I think I really like the mum in this as well by the way she, I think she's, she's I think she's as good as De Niro in this to be honest but I just that even if it's in the book because I assume it's gone into in yeah, more detail probably. in the book yeah, yeah, it just yeah, kind yeah. of just chucked in here and just kind of left there like it it's probably one of those little things where like people like you or I would be nitpicking and be like so how did how come she yeah. always ran the same route? Is that meant to be kind of fate? And it'll just be like a little nitpicking thing that people that read the book are probably be like, no, because the mom said it. So he probably put it in on, for that. On De Niro, this is like the first good film he's done in about 10 years. He's he's in Limitless briefly. Um, There's uh, that scene where De Niro's tearing up and Cooper's in the bed and he's just woke up and he's staring at him. And I don't even think he's in character. Like I think he is Cooper just... Cooper said he, he was blown away. That I think he, he's just he admiring. Genuinely, he said he... De Niro, De Niro reads the script and he starts yeah. crying about that scene. Yeah, and he just has to. You can see it he like he wakes him up and he says that, and you, there's just you're just watching Bradley Cooper, but you're not watching him acting. He's just in awe of Robert De Niro because like, he's quite obvious. There's some complaints that there's a lack of subtlety to this film. Like no, you don't wonder other than the ending what anyone's thinking at any point. Everyone wears their heart on their sleeve entirely, but I think that kind of what it's supposed to be like I don't think that's poor writing it doesn't feel like poor writing to me it doesn't feel like a shortcut to me it, f- it feels like these people don't know how to deal with each other and so all they can be is honest and they can only be honest with each other yeah um yeah he, he's, he's he's for the most part harmlessly obsessed with the eagles loves yeah. his wife obviously supportive of his son but he doesn't know how to do it in the right way and he doesn't actually realise how similar him and his son are is the big thing that drives throughout the film. And you never really kind of, it's never gone into the the dynamic with his other son either because you know- He's a real prick, by the way. I know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you get that kind of- um, Derek's stepbrother. I was, that's exactly yeah. what I was about to say. That's the exact vibe that it is. But you never really understand why. <laughs> well, you literally, I need you to get well because I can't tell you how big my house is and my promotion it was. If you're not well, and then and then he just ha- he hugs him. He's like, "I'm proud of you." Man. Yeah. What does he say? He's like, "I'm happy for you," or something. Yeah. Like that. And the dad says, "Well, how can you not stop talking about how good your life is?" Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you never kind of realise why that guy is such a bellend. But no, a couple of details about the film. So it was shot in 33 days. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, Fucking hell. So so Cooper was on. What was he on? Uh, place place between the pines, yeah. and then flew out the next day, and then shot it in 33 days. Yeah. Jesus. Fair fact. Um, he must have been exhausted then. No worry. No wonder that. He a, kind of comes across so knackered in all of this. A detail, um, the marquee outside the movie theatre, did you clock the film that's showing? No. Midnight Meat Train is showing <laughs> on, on the marquee. No, I didn't pick that up. The, the teacher telling Pat to leave after he's been caught in the shower kills me. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I don't even think they needed the clips in that scene, as the way he tells it is nah, so vivid. they did. They did. They did. Because think- that makes you, again speaking from he tells it so well no 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 no. you need to see it speaking from someone so I've been uh, I've been in a relationship I was with my ex for like six years and if I'd have come home and seen her in a shower with 
a guy that she worked a with. History teacher. <laughs> exactly. Like uh, she, yeah. you know, she worked as a lawyer now, but so she was like with, in the shower with her boss, just seeing that you kind of relate on that note and you're like, oh my God, I would actually cave but, his head in like, also, the scene out of drive. I don't think you need to see that to appreciate that's how you would feel in that situation. I know. I no, you don't, but sometimes seeing things visceral like that, like optically, it, it just adds that next level. And you're like, do you know what? I would react exactly the same because you would just cave someone's skull in like you just would is is one of the charms of the film that Dolores his mum is seemingly perfectly sane she's very caring she's lovely and a lot of it is because she's been dealing with her husband this whole time as well like she understands the behaviour better than anyone she's used to it yeah she's used to it yep the iPod speakers around the house at the dinner party what a throwback to the iPod shuffle as well this doesn't mean anything to anyone else did you give me a pink ipod yeah i wondered where i uh, where i'd uh, got on that and i thought maybe that i think uh, i'm gonna go off sorry (coughs) i think it was a christmas gift i don't know i don't think i think i gave it to you as a christmas gift or a birthday gift it would have been something like that i think i loaded it up with a load of r&b songs (laughs) (laughs) um the therapist tells him to just get a strategy to deal with the song. Yeah. Is that not his job? Yeah. <laughs> I love the therapist in this. You know my feelings about the therapist in this. The Russian title of this film translates as My Boyfriend is a Psycho. Nice. My theory about this film, we we do the thing at the end, would this be better as a Jell Apatow comedy, yeah. Michael Bay action movie, or a South Park spin-off? Yeah. This plot is almost entirely interchangeable with American Pie 2. This this is American Pie 2 that has been converted for a different audience. Just looking through my notes. I've got it down as Avatar. But in... So, American Pie 2... South Park couldn't do this. American Pie 2... (coughs) Jim hangs out with Michelle to try and bag Nadia at the end. When yep. he gets to the end and he finally has <laughs> Nadia within his grasp, he says, he you Michelle. know what? The person right in front of me has been better all along. <laughs> yeah, it's true. This it's is true. American Pie 2. It's true. And we've got Steve, we've got well, it's true. Stephanie Stifler in the main yeah. role. Yeah, no. Good point. Casting. Good the casting what ifs. I the, just, let me go through what notes we've not covered. No, no, because there's still quite a bit. This is, we're at the end. Okay, okay. Um, David O. Russell, when writing this screenplay, the casting he had in mind, yeah. we've mentioned one of the people here for the lead. We've mentioned who would have been the lead role already in his mind. Emma Stone. For the male role. For the male role. We've already mentioned them. Yep. Goslin? Vince Vaughn. Fuck off. His initial idea was Vince Vaughn and Zoe Deschanel. Ah, uh, that's a completely different film, isn't it? Deschanel yeah I can see it I can see it but I don't think she'd have won an Oscar it for then, it it then switches when the screenplay's made the two actors the two actors that sign on for this initially mm. Mark Wahlberg yeah I, I, yeah, and yeah. Anne Hathaway no I can't see that at all I would put Wahlberg in this I would put Wahlberg as the brother Wahlberg, that's my that's my kind of spin-off thing but he drops out They've just they've just done the fighter, and mm. then he says basically, you know, I'm going to try and do I'm going to do my own thing now. Yeah. He doesn't do the Jennifer Lawrence where he wants to go straight back with him again. Yeah, um, the fighter does a lot for Wahlberg because for people have forgotten after Boogie Nights, he's that, a fighter, break his hand. Yeah, people have forgotten that he is actually a serious actor. 
and he can do serious things. I guess. He's done the fire and he's done boogie nuts. You can't question that whether the man can act at this at this point. You know you know what feelings about Warburg. And so he drops out. I think he's he very starts, good in the department. He starts doing his run of I'm gonna be what you think I am, basically. Mm-hmm. And so Jennifer Lawrence, I don't it's unclear the order of this that Jennifer Lawrence gets brought in. It's offered to so many other women before her. So it's offered to Angelina Jolie, mm. Rachel McAdams, it. Olivia Wilde, nope. Elizabeth Banks, nope. Blake Lively, nope. Kirsten Dunst, nope. Nope. I think at least two of those can do that. Not not to the same level. No. I can see Elizabeth Banks and I can see Rachel McAdams doing it. I can see McAdams doing it just because I think it is it is the notebook-esque. But McAdams is is very, very good. She's very, very good. And then after all of that, Jennifer Lawrence gets brought in. They, they wanted someone older, basically, so they rewrite the role I was, Yeah, I was going to say, she's to significantly younger. younger than the rest of them, isn't she? Um, yeah, she's like early 20s. Doing Rachel this, McAdams so. in 20... This is 2012, isn't it? Yeah. She's, what, 30-ish? Yeah. So they, they, as I say, they rewrite the role slightly. They just tweak it a bit, just so they have the the line like, "How old are you? I'm old enough that I can have a marriage and not end up in a mental hospital." <laughs> Although I got to say, like Jennifer Lawrence doesn't come across as particularly young in this. I think she's she probably she, seems older than what her age. I think how old she's is she? Supposed to be like twenty six, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'd say. But yeah. how old is she in this? Well, that's what I think she's supposed to be in this film. But, they make a comment about it. But Jennifer Lawrence, the act actor, how old is she in oh. this film? Early twenties. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So she can play twenty six quite feasibly. But she look she's got a very young face there. Um, she's well, she's got Yeah, Brad, Bradley Cooper, so he signs on for Limitless after doing the hangover. I really like Limitless as a he, film. He he's we've done that on air as well. Yeah, he's really he, he's read the book, he's read um all everything around it. And De Niro's role is actually an amalgamation of two parts. He basically says I'd love it if De Niro could do this. De Niro, as we say, guy's idolised. He contacts De Niro's agents and says... Can you pull that across? Because I'm blind over here. To the listeners, the sun is burning my retinas. Okay, I'm good. Thank you. He contacts De Niro's agent and says, can I have a sit down with him? I want to pitch him something. Yeah. Big guy at this point. 2009, Bradley Cooper. Mm. He can probably pitch to De Niro if he wants to. He gets to sit down with him in his hotel room when he's in town and he says... I basically spoke for 40 minutes non-stop. I told him everything of the role that I envisioned him doing, why we've put these two roles together because we really value what he can bring to this, all of these things. Is this Cooper selling this? <coughs> and this is, this is Cooper selling this after only just getting it. So he's like, on for Limitless. They can't the cast after. this last... No. So he's locked on for Limitless. They need this last role filled basically, but they can't find the right person to do it. He suggests De Niro, and then they basically say, if you think you can get De Niro, go and try and get De Niro. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so he speaks for 40 minutes, kind of awkwardly is like, and he says, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be in touch with my people. They'll, they'll tell you whatever. He says he gets in the car. He's driven for about 20 minutes, and he thinks, kind of like what you've done, you're, you're doing here. Oh, my God, I can't believe I forgot to say that. Yeah. And he said, I had a decision. Do I phone him up and tell him the thing that I forgot to say or do I bank that I've told him enough in these 40 minutes that I can convince him to do it? Mm. He said, I thought, I'm just, 
I'm just going to do it. De Niro gave him his number at the end of the meeting and that. And he called him up and he said, initially, De Niro's kind of like, who's this? And he's like, yeah. Bradley, I, I, I just met with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. And he said, I just wanted to tell you that. De Niro says, oh, well, thanks for telling me. He said, about four hours passed and his agent contacted him to say, basically, if you can sort it with my people, the money, if you can get the money right, then creatively, I'm on board and I'll do this film. And so when Wahlberg drops out of this, it's De Niro that goes to a Russell and says, I really think Bradley Cooper is the guy that can do this for you. And oh, I love it. He then does he then watches some really obscure TV show that never made it to TV yeah. that Bradley Cooper did on the come up and he yeah. says he saw enough in there that he deemed that yeah, you can I love it. be my guy. And he says him and De Niro have this, like that. this very weird friendship now. And he says, just, just got each other's Niro, back. He said, De Niro, whether you like those films, De Niro is De Niro. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. he said, for me to play his son, he's like, yeah. that was... Yeah. And he said, the level of comfort he had that a Russell said, you can do this. And De Niro is a mentor. Mm. He said, it suddenly just didn't feel half as intimidated anymore because I knew I had these two people On to help side. me through it. Yeah, yeah. De Niro is one of those guys that when he dies because you know it's going to happen everything will be a little bit darker I think it's the same as like when David Bowie died everything feels a little bit more bleak like, I think I imagine him being incredibly honest as well like I imagine that, that <clears throat> oh yeah he's something. he's meant to be I think he is meant to be they all call him Bobby don't they Yeah, they all love him they all call him Bobby because he's just a so, stand up guy like. I imagine it's not going to be a case where Bradley Cooper's not the biggest star on set. It's not going to be one where nobody feels they can tell him no. Yeah, and then it yeah. gets to where the film comes out and he reflects on it. It's like, yeah. why did nobody stop me from doing that voice or that movement? Or he knows something? he's got the fucking governor there to tell him yeah. what's good and what's not. Yeah. Some questions about the ending. I must say now though, De Niro's in his uh, granddad vibes era and he's owning that. He's, he's well, gone he, from being like, I mean, you think of De Niro old school, he's mafia days. I don't think you would stop him for a photograph. I think he's one of those, it's enough to have seen him. I agree. Oh, I, I agree. But I feel that about celebrities anyway. I, I've seen, you know, I've seen celebrities. I've spoke to celebrities and I don't stop them for photographs because I think it takes a piss. Probably depends who it is. Nah, not at all. Well, who was it? Who was it when, when I sat and I spoke to Amelia Clark about the NHS and me and her were chatting about the NHS, blah, blah, blah. And I told you about it afterwards and one of your pals was like, oh, it didn't happen if there was no photo. Langston, that's who it was. It was it was Langston. He was like, no, if there's no photos, it didn't happen. You think I'm going to speak to Amelia Clark for about 10 minutes about the NHS and how we can save it, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end go, oh, by the way, Amelia, can I have a photo? I feel like that no. was cheap on your part. You reeled her in with that. Not at all. We were both sat backstage in the actors part at the National Theatre and we were speaking and I literally said to Amelia, I don't want a photograph. I just want to say thank you for what you've done for the NHS because she is still the NHS ambassador. She's raised millions for the NHS. And I used to work in the hospital that saved her life when she had a brain aneurysm. So obviously we've got other things to talk about other than Game of Thrones. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, yeah, don't fucking ask celebrities for photos. Just, just say hello to them. They're still people. I'd have asked for a picture of Amelia Clark. Yeah, well, I didn't need to. Then I've asked for photos of people and it didn't go well. Yeah, I know, the one with your man. What's he called? Eubank Senior. No, I'm not about the other one. David Hay? No, no, no. Mickey. Um, what's he called? I don't... I don't. The guy out of um, Kid Althood. Noel Clark? Yeah. 
I mean, that hasn't aged well in general um, <laughs> due to the recent... But no, the the issue with him was... Um, he was filming. The person that I asked to take the picture, yeah, filmed it. And then I thought, do I? <laughs> so, excuse me. That's it's one of my favourite videos. Excuse Both me. of you just standing there for about 20 yeah. seconds, not moving. Excuse me. Um, he actually... <laughs> He actually took a video. Can we can we get another one? Oh, um, that's a funny video. It's a great video. But yeah, you know, um, I feel it's the energy you put out. So David Hay had a weird energy. <laughs> I wouldn't stop and ask a boxer for a photograph. I don't see the point. I've never stopped and asked a celebrity for a photograph, and I've met celebrities. I've done fucking screen tests with celebrities. I've never asked them for a photograph. Oh, I told you about me and Neeson, haven't I? More, more power to you. Exactly. Um, questions about the ending. Um, any film that has me on the edge of my seat for a dance competition has done its job well. <laughs> yeah, that yeah exactly, yeah. And I think what works for this, we said the same about Whiplash, the fact that I don't know how good what you're doing is yep. adds a certain level of drama to it because yep. you could be nailing it and I don't know. Yeah, all are I'm, you watching their footwork or are you watching their face? Because throughout the entire dance scene, all I'm doing is looking at them, looking at each other, and the chemistry is mad. I would just hope, please don't fall, please don't fall, please don't yeah, fall. Yeah, yeah, but even on like... And that's, and that's, me, and sorry, that's, knowing, and that's knowing the No, no, the on, on the rewatches, are you watching their footwork? Are you being like, oh, that looks... No, I'm watching technical. their faces. You're yeah. watching them because they're playing off of each other, which I I love that scene. The fact that she's just smashed two... Or double vodkas or whatever as well and she's like clearly flustered and she's mad at him but she also loves him it's just so well, good well it's the best thing that could have happened in, in the long run because this, they've been in the same place now and it has worked what does Bradley Cooper say to his wife yeah and yeah I know I know good. I'm asking you I know but I don't know I don't know it's a good question I think he says Something along the lines of, I think it's very mature. Thank you for coming. I'm happy now. I'm I'm glad that we had what we had, but that girl that I'm with, she means everything to me. It was nice to see you again. Take care, Nikki. That's what I think he said. And if you can get hold of your man, the director, and we can confirm that. I don't think he'd be taking the time out for us. <laughs> if we can confirm that. But I think he says something along those lines. And then he goes off to get his lady. And all the power to him. He made the right choice. She was a bitch. Yeah, the tension when you see Nikki arrive and they're pacing around you hoping, please don't see her. Especially the on the first watch when yeah. you don't know what's going to happen because you think he is still into her. That's heartbreaking. I think it, they, it, they've done the right thing in that the football game that they've bet on, they don't allow that for any second to be the main focus. I think it would have been a mistake. So say it's coming down to the last play of the game and yeah. the Eagles win it there, and then we go on to the dance competition. That, you're doing too much. The fact yeah. they, they beat, what, 50 to 7, something like that. Yeah, Easy yeah. win, that's done, on to the next. Could the could the movie have been stronger if we saw more of Nikki, or was the idea of her better? Nah, the idea is better. It's like what we were saying earlier. You don't you don't need too much of Nikki. The same as you don't need too much of the cop that's died. What does it add? It adds on to their relationship their marriage but we don't give a shit about their marriage because we're invested in those two not nikki and pat we're invested in some tiff and tougher questions oh given what we know yep could pat have feasibly kept his feelings secret for a week hmm yeah um 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, it's Christmas. Fuck it. That's one of my questions for you, by the way. Is this a Christmas film? Well, that was actually the next question I had. <laughs> it's not, no. Uh, I'd say it is a Christmas film. I think you I, need, I need the happiness to be watch. at Christmas, I think, for this. I'd say this is a Christmas film. I'd, I'd watch this. I'd happily watch this on Christmas Eve at 8pm. Might be more of a Halloween film. Halloween? Absolutely not. This is far more Christmas than Halloween. Don't you think this would be a lovely film to just, if you and I I've ever got- get another half, unless me and you become official, if you and I ever get another half, just snuggle up to them at 8pm on a Christmas Eve and whack on Silver Linings Playbook? No, because they'd need to understand I've got my own roster for Christmas Eve. <laughs> Could you not filter this one in? The night before Harold and Kumar Christmas. Uh, the night, be- I didn't think you'd like The Night Before Christmas. Not The Night Before Christmas, The Night Before. Seth Rogen... Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Anthony Mackie. I've not seen that. I've not seen that. I don't think I've seen that. I haven't seen that. You must have seen that. I haven't seen that. Seth Rogen on the piano doing Kanye Runaway. No, not seen it. What the hell when did this come? When did this come out? With the last, when like, did this come out? Six six years, oh, well, six, we'll seven years it, of your if, life. If either of you make it to the next it's Christmas, like, we'll watch it together. That is insane. No, I've like, not seen it. I should press the stop button now. <laughs> I've not seen it. We're not doing that anyway. No, well, we've done a podcast on it already. It's you and I haven't. No, but I just can't. I can't wrap my head around that. Well, it's got Michael Shannon as a weed dealing ghost of Christmas past. Definitely haven't seen it. Jesus, we'll watch it together when Christmas comes around. If we're both it's, still here, it's God willing. Got, um, what's her name? From I can uh, tell you. from Cloverfield <laughs> gets confused it. with Zoe Deschanel. Which Cloverfield? One. All right, there's been three Cloverfields. Yeah, but, uh, don't make me look this up because it looks bad. You're supposed to know these things. If I defer to you to say who is it, you're supposed to know immediately. They're not all that recognisable from Cloverfield. I thought Lizzie Kaplan. Right. Okay. Well, when, on my rewatch of Cloverfield, I thought that was um, Gal Gadot. So that, that yeah, I know, that tells you how much I think. Yeah, exactly. They look nothing alike. Gal Gadot. Show me a photo of her quick. Why are you talking about the same person? Show me a photo of her quick. Did I think it was Gal Gadot? Oh, well, I can't, well, I I can't hope remember. not. I mean, their complexion's different. I've had a bottle of wine. I'm assuming that's who you confused with Gal Gadot the, the first time yeah, around. That's, the, yeah, that's the what one I that they inconceivably go halfway oh, the across the city yeah, to the rescue. Girlfriend. Yeah, that's the one, that's the one, that's the one. No, um, Lizzie Kaplan, I mean, if people want to be recognised on here, clearly do a bit more work for the NHS. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone looks the same in Scrubs. Um, No, that's just, I forgot. Yeah, you're you're just completely uh, rotten me. My my Christmas roster, Harold and Kumar Christmas, obviously, that's that's, that's the... uh, I've seen Harold and Kumar films. Um, I think a big thing from this film as we mentioned before is them dealing with the topic of mental illness yep Jesus Christ is the film saying that dance cured their illnesses or just that they found happiness and that was what it took to get them in order I think it's more of a footloose situation because the way the film ends some people do complain that the film is tied up a bit too neatly there's this the answer to this film, the answer to this question is addressed in this film. At the start, when he's talking about Ernest Hemingway, he says, there's scenes of them dancing, which was boring, but I liked it because they're happy. And that is a direct, what's it called? Uh, 
red it's not a red herring for a fallacy no it's um foreshadowing it's yeah, foreshadowing yeah. that is foreshadowing the end of the film because it that sums it up right scenes of them dancing which was boring but I liked it because they're happy and the scenes of them dancing weren't boring but I did like it because they were happy to go I think uh, I think a, a, the big thing the film is hammering home is that it's not as simple as you're sick or you're not yeah people deal with things that you don't know about on a daily basis and the way that they present this mm-hmm. from all angles I think is is really well the dance itself the moment every single person's dealing with their own inner turmoil you sit on a bus or you sit on a tube or whatever everyone's got their own shit going on their own narrative we're all the main character in our, in our own lives but it's not that simple is it were were you smiling like a cheshire cat when uh, he says at the end read the letter yeah, it's, it's, I was. It's to you i was this Very is why good. i think is a christmas film do, do you not think that's such a christmas scene when the snow's falling they're kissing under the christmas lights that's Christmas to me. No, well then, is, is Gone Girl a Christmas film? Well, <laughs> different question. But it's definitely not a Halloween film. Need more films with M. Ratajkowski in it. That's my main takeaway there. Your main takeaway is a Papa John's. Also true. Tomorrow. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> the heat when I'm getting on uh, this bus tomorrow is going to be battering. The heat in this room is battering me. Um, I want to just melt into your fridge. Yeah, it's, it's it's very it's very well done. Him chasing her down the street, I like that. <laughs> she hasn't got too far. I hate that when like they. I put you say I like that. Him chasing her down the no, street. No, I like that. I love they're, that. Like, they're like ten blocks away already, yeah, and he's having to get in like a taxi. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. she's marched away. It's not. It's nice as well. You got the whole again. It's foreshadowing. You've got them running earlier on in the scenes, and now this time she's running away from him, and he's chasing her rather than her chasing him. It's all very very neatly tied up. Yeah. How smooth is a divorce? What? He's still married to Nikki. Oh. How smooth is a divorce? I still don't get the question. Do you say how smooth in divorce? Is the divorce. He still has to divorce Nikki. Yeah. So divorce Nikki. How smoothly does that go? Is it? Oh, how smoothly. Is it amicable? Is it? How smooth in divorce? And what? What kind of code is this? Yeah, yeah. um, How smoothly? Pretty smoothly. She hasn't got a leg to stand on, whereas those two, they've got great legs for standing on. They can but dance it, on those Is legs. it amicable? Are they beefing? No, it was pretty amicable. Because they don't need Tiffany getting involved in it. No, that. it was pretty amicable when they were at the thing. And it wouldn't be anyway because Tiffany is sisters with her best mate in it. So there's, there's, it's not like there's, they're going at each other from like blind angles of hatred. There's mutual ground there. Two volatile people, do they live happily ever after? I'd like to think that they live happily ever after. I'd like to think that there's no sequel to this film where they broke up because I feel like if those two break up, it ends in the worst way it's going to end, which is Romeo and Juliet. You know my take on the Office Christmas special? Oh, what, with Tim and... Tim and Dawn, Dawn barely yeah. last the week. You think when they're together, they're, they don't last? She gets straight back with your man that she's... Uh, Oh, I hate that Lee. Guy. I hate that guy. What? They're in Florida, though, aren't they? They're in Florida, and then yeah, they, I mean, they fly back, don't also, they? Also, I mean, in Lee's defence... Now we are just getting on to Christmas. Martin, Martin, Martin Freeman has just been peppering his missus for the last... Like, however yeah, no, long. that is true. That I'd be fuming. I would be fuming. Because she knows that he's into... Anyway. Um, no, they last. They last. They're gonna they're gonna heal each other over the years. Yeah, so it isn't that they're cured. Um, nah, the world. I think they they 
they mentioned several times how they feel very out of place. Um, and I think it's tough to get any representation of anyone dealing with these kinds of things without them being like the Joker or it being a film where it's very warped and you don't, and like the narrative is skewed because, you know, if they can't understand what's going on inside their head, how can we? We're literally doing Shutter Island next week. Yeah. But the way they do this, it's normal people dealing with problems and they get to a point where, I think they're saying that even the, even these people can have a happy ending as well. And I think that's the point that's being driven home. People call it cheap, the ending, that it's kind of just tied up. But Well, how would they want it to end? Well, so... Can with you him, have a, can him you just have, aimlessly pining after her when he deserves better? Can you have a romantic comedy without it being a happy ending? No, I don't because think so is a big isn't is uh, we've spoken before. I've spoken about you. I've spoken about it with Keen, and like you can apply the same to an album. So there's a big thing with like when you put skits in an album. Is it more important to have a fantastic first listen, or is, or is the replay value more important? And for a film. The ending, if you put something that's a very depressing ending is there, is it more important to shock you and it hit hard the first time or is it more important that you'll watch it several times? What For films me, do you love that have a depressive, depressing ending? I, I don't think... I don't know if I... Well, off the top of my head, then... Like, this is what I can't... I'm trying to think of some now and it must be... Well, it wouldn't I'm, be in this genre, so... I'm the, into that sort of the shit. The point I was about I to finish think was of anything. Prisoners, I love. That's a very depressing ending. I can't remember the ending. I can't really say it. Well, we've done it on the podcast. But I've watched Prisoners. Yeah, but I, but I don't want to say it for other people if they've not seen it. The girl doesn't get found. I'm not well. I'm not going to answer that yes or no. But <laughs> yeah, okay. Hugh Jackman is un- is under the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so my main take would be that it depends on the genre. I think there's some genres that you you hit hard with. And there's some genres that it needs to be rewatchable. And mm. for this, you can't have them not be happily ever after. Or no. we're not tuning in to watch it a second time. Yeah, what's the point? Where's the payoff? So that that'd be what I'm saying. A lot of romantic comedies there's an issue with a kind of lack of characters we've got mainly stereotypes so we've got probably the clumsy girl you've got the nerdy guy chasing after he can't believe that he's done this or he's rebounding and the person is helping him with the rebound they can't believe oh actually this person's been under my nose the whole time and so on yeah taylor swift love story well you're supposed the average rom-com you're supposed to be able to picture yourselves in the characters they're supposed to it's supposed to be a kind of a, a, a stencil. You're supposed to fit into these and identify with yeah. some part of this character. Keep yeah. it up here. No, it's not you. It's the heat and the fact I've had a bottle of wine. And <laughs> the people they surround themselves with even more so are yeah. like cardboard cutouts. And so I think just everything that's been put together here, we don't have the best friend that is making crude jokes the whole way through and is disgusted and he gets themselves into all sorts of trouble or the mum that is trying to like force them to stay away from that girl or you have to get with that girl and not this person that you actually prefer. Yeah, that's the notebook. Everything here is the opposite of that, I would say, while still fitting in to the genre. They didn't cop out on any of the characters. Hence, we get all of the nominations for acting. 
they get the best of every actor. Chris Tucker manages to be funny. Bradley Cooper does his whole like, you know, feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm a relatable guy. Jennifer Lawrence gets the crazy in without it being too much and becoming a caricature. Yeah. Even the wife was interesting from a distance. The mm. the cop is probably the worst you, character. Yeah, I agree. You kind of hate you kind of hate Nikki. I hate Nikki. And you you don't and it's it's I don't unjustified. Think you do. No, I do, but it's unjustified because you don't actually get to know her. You don't understand why she, she is, did what she why did. Why did she turn up at the end? That'd be my only thing. Is but you do hate her. Like when you see her in the shower with that guy, even yeah, if even sure. if their relationship was on the rocks and it was awful, it's like how how could you do that? That is bad. Like cheating is is an awful thing to do. To someone, but uh, you you don't you don't get the justification for why she did that, but, yeah, but you never you never hear her side of the story. I guess before we get on to the categories, I would yeah. basically say good acting, good director, good writing, good soundtrack. The fact they get, soundtrack's really good. Yeah, I mean there must be something with David O. Russell and Led Zeppelin because he's traditionally very hard <clears throat> for you to license his songs in your film. Mm. Back to back films, he gets Zeppelin in there. Mm. You've got two songs by the, two songs by the White Stripes in there. Sinatra? Nail, yeah. I mean, what they do, I think maybe if there's going to be a cop-out at all, it's you do a montage for the dance at the end and so you kind of just max out because they do release this as a soundtrack. But the dance, The dance at the end, I'm glad that you see it from start to finish and it isn't just uh, segmented. You see it all as a continuous camera movement, don't you? Which is nice. I've asked you before and you've given me a confused look. So I, I asked you with the founder, is it a film about food? You're going to say, is this a film about love? I'm, going to ask, I'm about to ask you, what is this film about? Love. Is that all right? Yeah. I put down at the time, it's... it's, it's, it's <laughs> you say about medication. It's about... St- I'd say it's a film about obsession as well. It's about sticking with people when they're in a bad place. Nice. Growing as a person, second chances. All sounds like marriage to me, Luke. Well, I wouldn't know. So. No, would I? But that's that's love, isn't it? Right? It's what you in sickness and in health, right? I mean, how's if there that? is someone out there that's just that? waiting to dance with me, then you know, <laughs> come forward. But um, the last couple of Jennifer Lawrence films, although the most notable Jennifer Lawrence films, what's your favourite Jennifer Lawrence film? Probably mm. this. Yeah. Or it's a fair shout. Days of Future Past, maybe. But then I don't. Yeah. I don't think Days of Future Past really good. I don't think that's very rewatchable. I do. I think it's the best X Men film. Out of all the X Men films, it's the best X Men film. Mm. I think it's a very strong. I, could I asterisk that because I think Logan's better? But do you? Want oh to call that X-Men yeah, film? no, good shout. Um, Logan. <sighs> Logan is an X Men film. Actually, yeah, I mean, American Hustle is phenomenal as well. So nah, I mean, this, it, is, it'd be this, this is this is better than American Hustle. It'd be this or American Hustle. I like um, the Hunger Games films. I, I probably need to rewatch them. Yeah, I quite like that they got really darker good. as they went on. You get Hoffman come in; he's very good. <laughs> well, Hoffman comes in, then fucking dies during the filming, which is horrendous. She's um, Jennifer Lawrence is the goat. I'm telling you, she's and I'm I'm all for the Jenaissance. She's gone off. She's Are met some Jenaissance. Yeah, I'm, I am going to tag it. I'm going to tag it in this video. She's gone off. She's had a kid. She's got married. She's in love. And now she's come back to do what she does best, which is be one of the best actors. I, mean, I think of all we've time. got one film, so I I would hesitate to call it the comeback just yet. I would see. Well, no, we've got a couple of films, and you've not even seen several of them. So hang on a minute. I <laughs> hang on a I minute. would 
I would argue that if you watch a Jennifer Lawrence film, you won't come out of it and say, oh, she was crap in that, because no. she's never crap. You enjoy Causeway? Huh? I mean, the renaissance that this came out less than six months ago, so I'm assuming you factored that into the renaissance. I haven't factored <laughs> it into the renaissance. I thought the one that we watched yesterday was the, was the start of the renaissance. What came up before that? Don't Look Up, 21. Yeah, I've seen that. Causeway, 22. I haven't seen that. No Hard Feelings, 23. Well, I've missed... All right, well, I've missed Causeway, but what's it on? I'll watch it tonight. Apple TV. All right, that's fine. I'll get I'll get this Marvel Secret Invasion and I'll get Causeway on. She's an ex-soldier with PTSD. Sounds good, right on my street. She's meant to be very good in it. Well, it doesn't surprise me because the renaissance is coming back strongly. Categories to end. Yep. MVP. I'm so warm. MVP. J-Lo. I think Pat, well, you you said it's a Pat story earlier, so you've backtracked. Yep. <clears throat> so it, it so, is a Pat story. So Pat's the MVP. No, 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 because you, no, because I, I said this to you at the start. I was like, oh, who do you think's better in this, Bradley Cooper or Jennifer Lawrence? I think it's Bradley Cooper's story. I think you've story. made a mis- nope. mistake because you've It's confused, Bradley Cooper's story. You've confused MVP and star of the film. Two <sighs> separate categories. MVP is best character, star of the film, actor that stole the show. Okay, all right. Well, no, but you can have someone be the best. You can have someone be the what the film revolves around and not be the best character. You can. Just I use... Okay, yeah. I think the film revolves around Pat, but I think Jennifer Lawrence is better in it. Not to say that he's not amazing. This very, very thin silver lining. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence, star, Jennifer Lawrence is star of the film. Yep. Most valuable player is, is Pat. All right, well, okay. All right. Best moment slash scene. Um, either the dance or the diner. I, uh, it's it's difficult because you've got the diner where they kind of establish how much they mean to each other, and then the dance is where they like really cement that. I'm going to say the dance. I'm going to think. I think the dance is my best scene. I told you, Cooper removing the man from the door is uh, is my best scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Best quote. Scenes of them dance. I've already said the scenes of them dancing. <laughs> I've got black it up, Pat. Is it? Is a great quote. Um, oh, this is this is a good quote. You know, I used to think you were the best thing that ever happened to me, but now I think that you might be the worst thing, and I'm sorry I ever met you. The way that she delivers that line with the infliction on the words is so good. And then his good for you, let's dance. That well, is great. Your that man, is so so good. Your man saying one bad decision could change your lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick I up, think it's uh, pick up Bobby. I think it's her speech where she tells him how he's scared and uh, yeah, she accepts. There's a lot about of herself. good quotes in this film. To be fair, would you rather add Mark Wahlberg, Zac Efron, or Tobey Maguire to this movie? Chuck Wahlberg in as the brother. Yeah, that's a good fit. Actually, that's, I, yeah. I like that pick. Yeah. Um, what was yours? I was I was gonna decide in the moment, and I don't think I can give a a, yeah. a better take than that. Wahlberg is a big sports fan. Kind of want to see Tobey Maguire as the therapist, but... Uh. <laughs> Would you rather add Jennifer Lawrence, Florence Pugh, or Rose Byrne to this movie? Just dismiss that. Rose, Rose Byrne, Byrne can be the sister. Rose Byrne could, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you had to make a spin-off movie about a side character from this film, who would it be about? You know who I'm going to say. Go on. The therapist. 
The Doctor, his life outside of work. It's a Frank the Tank situation. Pat, today I'm your brother in green. It's a bad pick. No, it's not. That guy. Also, I have He's a shit therapist. I I have this note as well. Why, where is it? Don't you, you're talking past the mic. Why is the doctor just at the house afterwards? You know when they had the big scrap? Why is the brother shirtless? Yeah, I know. But the doctor is just at the house and also he turns up at the dance. It's like he's so involved in this guy's life. That scene would fit into Step Brothers. Yeah, it would. When they've come back and they're saying to the parents, you don't understand, it wasn't his fault. Yeah, it would, it would, it would. Um, No, the doctor, tonight, Pat, I'm your brother in green. (laughs) I think he is a Frank the Tank situation when he's not being a therapist. I want a spin-off about the guy that came to the door. (laughs) She just texted me. I want him being completely obsessed with Tiffany and how, uh, and how watching he Watching from the sidelines. Yeah. As they're at the dance, he's there in the yeah. corner like the I mean, like Humpty Dumpty in Puss in Boots. If not, it's Chris Tucker. I was always there, Puss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the gift shop based around this film, what's the highest selling item? Well, I know what you're going to say. What? You're going to say a bin bag and a sweater. I was going to say an Eagles jersey. Yeah, I knew you were going to say something sweater related. Well, it's, it's, it's a gift shop. No, it would have to be... It it's either that or some Krabby snacks. Yeah, it would have to be... Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. It would have to be Krabby snacks or some dance shoes or something like that. Would this be better as a Jalapato comedy, a Michael Bay action movie, or a South Park spin-off? It's uh, give American it to, by 2.5. Give it perhaps. to Apatow, yeah. And I didn't add a song to the soundtrack. Neither did I. Pretty, yeah, I didn't well I think it needed it. So that just about does us for today thank you for anyone that has listened this far as i mentioned earlier shutter island next week scorsese dicaprio i'm dripping with sweat on that note i'll uh, i'll stop the recording so us shutter island next week see you there bye goodbye